0: What's going on, Drunken Boys, brand new podcast coming right at you, but you know what we gotta do first. We have to talk about those things that generate a little revenue for the show. First and foremost, we are brought to you by the Patreon at patreon.com slash Matslayer. Support the show for as little as three dollars a month for less than the cost of a beer. On top of that, you get ad-free audio. The video versions a week early and uncensored, you get the entire video back catalog. And you get my undying gratitude. Some of those were worth more than others, I'm fully aware. But check that out today at patreon.com slash We are also brought to you by the merch store at anwd.net slash merch. I'm constantly throwing up new designs. Be sure to check out the new metal ass, drink up motherfucker hats, and you know a bunch of other random Mass designs that I've been throwing on the merch store. Once again, at anwd.net slash merch and every piece of merch purchase, of course, helps support the show. Last, but certainly not least, the easiest way to support this podcast is twofold. One, tell your friends, just signal boost. Let people know about the show. The other is go to youtube.com slash. And now we drink and subscribe feed the algorithm help bring more and more Drinking Buddies into the fold. But that's enough with the ads. Let's get on with it. My guest this week, you may know her from Naked News, the one and only Laura Desiree. This episode gets pretty sacrilegious pretty quick, I do have to admit. But Laura and I talk alcohol, pop culture, religion. It goes all over the place. It's a lot of fun, ridiculous episode. So sit back, relax, pop a cold one, and enjoy Drinking Buddies. (laughs) What the hell's going on? Welcome.
1: Thank you so much for having me and serving me this immaculate California Pinot Noir in a Jameson snifter. (laughs) That's how we roll. I'm obsessed and it's exactly what I needed. Thank you. You're welcome. You're (laughs)
0: absolutely welcome. It was just like, uh, that bottle. I actually ordered two bottles and the Uber Eats guy just lost the second bottle.
1: Really? Well, My favorite thing in the world was that you messaged me ahead of time as a professional does and you said, well, what's your poison? What do you drink? And I think I threw you for a loop. You were like, uh, red wine. Uh, it's not going to be nice. Like, does no one drink wine on this show? I mean, it happens. And a couple times where I've
0: ordered wine, I had one guest be like, this isn't going to work. We're going to order something else. Like, when this, once they got here.
1: No, come on. Yeah. Come on. It's a glass, it's a free wine. Accept it. Um, okay, but yeah, some people can be real snooty about it. I mean, I kind of was. I was like, it's got to be a California Pinot Noir. And I already like hate myself for having said that. That's so ridiculous. Like, get over it, girl.
0: <laughs> it's okay. People people get very, very much like about their wines. They're like, no, no, this region, this grape, this, yeah. it's it's the thing. And yeah. I,
1: I'm i not mad at it. You can't just hand me any whiskey and I'll be like, oh, yeah, that's fine. Really? Really? So, wait, what's your whiskey, then? Am I looking at it somewhere? Oh, you're an Elijah Craig guy. That's the house
0: wine. Like, that, that's just the, the everyday... Yeah. You know? Well, that's yes, everyday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I mean, that's good shit. And for the price point, it's amazing.
1: Okay, but what about, like, do you ever... Because Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey, that's kind of got a romance to it when it comes to the whiskey experience. It's like there's little moments of honey. There's little moments of maybe a sherry cask, little infusion, but... If you were to hit it hard with like the Isla whiskeys, like the Lafroy, where it just kicks you in the face with campfire smoke, does that make you happy? No, I actually am not a
0: fan of scotch. There is a bottle of Argberg sitting on the bar that's yeah. probably going to be there for another year or so, because <laughs> it was purchased for Anna DeVille in January, and she does a show like when she comes in country every January. The bottle I bought her two years ago was here when she got here this year. Yeah. So that bottle of Ardbeg is safe. I'm yeah. not... I'm not into smoky PD whiskey. It's like I Mm-mm. I like bourbon. I like the spice of rye, but yeah. not the
1: smoke. Yeah. Th- that stuff is hardcore. That's like really hardcore. And like you think wine people are anal, the Scotch and whiskey folk, like they're all about the, the temperature of the water that gets, you know, maybe a spit or splash in the mix itself. The ice cube, the shape of the ice cube. Give me a break. Uh, oh, is the ice cube
0: not clear? Well, yeah. we can't use this. Yeah.
1: One of my first jobs I had when I moved to New York City when I was Uh, 20. Well, I moved at 18. But you know, I officially started working after school around 2021. I worked at a cigar and whiskey bar called Bar and Books. And uh, it was in the West Village. My job was to wear a, you know, um, pearl necklace, earring combo red dress and sit on men's laps and cut their cigars (laughs) And warm the body of the cigar and serve them their fancy scotch and whiskeys. It was ridiculous. But this is where my vocabulary for it came from.
0: (laughs) And that's a beautiful thing. I love those places. Like, I am not bougie about many things in life. Mm. But, like, joints like that are just my jam. I love, like, I also like... Looking like a scumbag yeah. in
1: spots like that. <laughs> oh my God, it was all solo dudes in there. And like, they were lovely, don't get me wrong. But if you were to just take the visual of it, it's a lot of heads hung low with a lit cigar staring into an ashtray. And I'm like, guys, this looks really depressing. Like, let's spice it up a bit. Um, And going home smelling like an ashtray was not my favorite thing in the world. Well, at least... At least you were going home smelling like fine cigars instead of, like oh, yeah. a fucking pack of Marlboro Reds. <laughs> no, it was it was the fine stuff. That's why I name dropped Cohiba Toro oh, earlier. I know. I, know. I was like, yeah, 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 I can I can play in this. You <laughs> got a couple Cohibas sitting in the humidor. Yeah, in the humidor. Of course, you have one. Well, the go bad. Um... So, would you bring cigars into the show as well? Uh, I would love to, but you know, I don't smoke inside. Mm. Okay, we got some limits then. Good. Yeah.
0: No. Good. Technically. Technically, I'm not even supposed to be smoking on my fucking balcony. Really? But I've been in this building so long that, like, when they put in the no smoking building policy, it wasn't in my lease. I'm like, I'm not signing that addendum.
1: Yeah, wait, you're not allowed to smoke on your own balcony? Yeah,
0: that's what they say.
1: That is the most absurd thing I've ever heard. It's Hashtag your tag, LA. <laughs> really? Yeah. Wow. So you're supposed to go out onto the street? Sure. Mm. Not doing it. Mm-mm. Absolutely not. <laughs> Like I will, I will
0: compromise. Like I don't want to smoke indoors, especially a cigar, anyways. Yeah. Like, unless it's well ventilated, but fuck you, I'm smoking on my goddamn balcony. Okay,
1: strangest place you snuck a smoke? In my life, yeah. oh shit! I'm trying to think. of Like, <laughs> I used to be a cigarette girl. I used to smoke cigarettes.
0: Oh, I, I, I had a pack and a half day habit in the late '90s, early
1: 2000s. What was your brand?
0: Camel Lights.
1: Camel blue. Nice. Wow. Is that the same thing? Is camel light and camel blue the same thing?
0: Because back in those days, that they had camel filter, camel light, and then they had uh, the wides. Yeah. They didn't have the colors of the camels at that point.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Camel blue is my jam. And uh, I, I remember smoking in a train bathroom, like a moving train car. Oh, sure. I would never take a risk like that again.
0: I take that back. Yeah. I definitely have smoked in between L cars like in Chicago. There you go. Like just in between the cars outside. Th- th-
1: I know. And it's like, why, why would we ever take those risks? Because we needed the cigarette that bad. <laughs> I
0: mean, I was also drinking while doing it. In
1: between <laughs> the cars. Of course. I was definitely having some margaritas, 100%. And I was like, okay, this train bathroom, perfect spot. Didn't give a shit about the ventilation. Didn't give a shit about the obvious I'm going to get caught. And I did, um, which is an awful feeling. Oh my God. But the things we do for what we love, right?
0: Conductor catch you or
1: no? No, the person that comes by with the uh, the the drinks and the let me check your ticket shit. Yeah, that person was like, um, "You've been busted. You've been busted," and I'm going to ask you to get off at the next stop. And I I had to. I was on my way from Toronto to Detroit, and I oh. had to get off the train. Yeah, yeah. So, what, they drop you in Windsor? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. The train only went to Windsor, so it was the stop right before. No big deal. You hop in a taxi at that point. Right. Just go into the tunnel and. Oh, totally. Yeah, but it was, you know, the, the days of being wild. I'm less and less of that these days. Which, boo. I know, boo. boo. I'm like my glass of wine. What a thrill. I'm breaking all the rules right now. The sun's still up. Come on. We're it breaking, is. We're breaking some rules, right? Yeah. No, the sun is still up. And again, I'm like, I will definitely be in bed by 9.30 tonight. <laughs> Lucky
0: you. I will be prepping for my second podcast. <laughs> I think
1: that is just... There are some people that are moon people and some people that are sun people. And I know how woo-woo that sounds. Like, trust me. I Like, I'm kind of cringing. But here's the thing is I've realized in the mornings I open up all the shades. I want all the sun to come in on me. I don't know why it's the way I start things, but I need that energy of it. Like, I want to be blasted first thing in the morning with sun. See, I'm the polar opposite.
0: I haven't moved my blackout curtains in no. over a year. <laughs> no.
1: Yeah. Do you sleep in complete silence mm-hmm. and complete pitch black? Mm-hmm. My biggest fear. I can't believe you're saying that right oh, now. Oh yeah, no way. Well, uh, technically not complete silence. I have a fucking CPAP machine, so yeah, yeah.
0: Because <laughs> otherwise, it will be very much not silence.
1: Exactly. I, I personally, I need something playing, and I I am the idiot that this is so hilarious. I will sleep with a sleep mask, but like full lights on, or like a couple of night lights. I can't sleep in pitch black. I cannot do it. I don't know why it scares me. Like grow up, but there's something about it, the unknown. I I, I can't relax in it. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Hey, there's nothing wrong with it. Like you found what works for you. Yeah. That, that's the important Yeah, part. but then, you know, if you're ever sharing that space, come on. That's always a hard bargain to drive because people will be like, no, I'm 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 sticking to my 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 what I like, my preferences. And when it comes to sleep, we should be demanding about it.
0: Yeah, we spend a third of our lives in theory doing it. I, not me. I, I mean, more. I put a big asterisk with that. Like, yeah, because definitely not a third of my life spent sleeping.
1: <laughs> I need more sleep, like straight up. Oh, see, I'm the other way. Where i have a
0: lot of sleepless, like just not sleeping, and
1: really. Yeah. Oh, I no, I I need. I'm realizing like I can't go as hard as I used to. So I'm 34 now. Shocker, I know. But like, I think about my 20s, and I'm like, oh, how did you do that? I would go days and nights and days and nights and days and nights, like early burlesque performance days in New York City where I would just, you would do a show, then you would go out and hang out and you'd stay out till dawn and then you'd go get breakfast and then you, it's like, I could never do that today. I could never survive that. Oh my God. I bet you could if you
0: really tried.
1: Oh, I would need a lot of like, you know, special aids and whatnot. I would definitely (laughs) be like, who's got that caffeine drip? Like, I would need help doing it. Oh.
0: See, my my goofy ass. I closed a bar last night and then was up by 9 30 to start editing this morning.
1: Seriously? Yeah. But closing a bar in LA is what two? Two. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's a
0: reasonable amount of sleep. But yeah, that's
1: not bad. How far was the distance from the bar to your bed?
0: Uh about 20 minutes. I walked it. See? Like I, I was a, being a responsible human. Yeah. I'm like, I'm gonna just walk home tonight. I'm no, not gonna That's Uber good.
1: It. Yeah, that's good.
0: But I had done the show, kept drinking at the bar. Yeah.
1: So there's a lot of alcohol involved. Of course there is. (laughs) I mean, it sounds like it's a big passion of yours. Sadly,
0: yeah. (laughs) When we put it like that, it's like, hey, substance abuse, your passion.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You know what? I think in our modern world, uh, most importantly is to just come to terms with some of these things and not be avoidant of it, right? So why not?
0: I, I'm obviously not avoidant of it.
1: <laughs> no, I love that. The presentation was very proud when I walked in here. I was like, oh yeah, we've got some alcohol on the table, okay. <laughs>
0: oh yeah, my guest last night actually wants me to subject people to this, but I'm not going to do that to you.
1: What is that? Jepson's malort. Can I smell it? Oh, you're not going to want to, but why? Sure. What's Why? What alcohol proof is it? Oh, it's not very high proof. No, it's not. Why do I not want to smell this? I'm terrified. It's only 35% alcohol.
0: It doesn't smell like it.
1: Really? It's a it's it's a Chicago thing. It's kind of like dog food. <laughs> it's like if dog food was alcoholic. I don't like that. No, what no. What is that? That's not cute. No, it's not at all. That's, that's like That's why I'm not doing it. <laughs> yeah, that's like not cute. I bet I know what it tastes like just from that smell. It's kind of like barley-esque. Like it's got a, a like a roll in the hay to it. it it tastes like gasoline oh is that right
0: oh it's horrible and it stays on the tongue
1: no thank you no thank you You no
0: it's literally one of those things for like in the chicago bar scene it's just popular to do it and it's kind of just being trolly to everyone involved and it's kind of like a test of your metal like oh yeah this is no big deal
1: okay so like people drink it like a shot
0: there's something called the chicago handshake which is a shot of malort and an old style
1: yeah no, thank you. I, 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 no, thank you. No,
0: that, that's why I wasn't legitimately offering it. Okay,
1: no, yeah, let's hit, let's just, uh, I'm going to look at it, but that's about as close as I'm getting. I remember being in uh, uh, Negril, Jamaica when I was filming with Naked News. We would do these visits to hedonism constantly. I've been to hedonism five times. You only need to maybe consider going once, uh, five times in my life, which, and I'm gearing up to go again later this month. Um, But they they take their rum very seriously, right? And they've got the all-you-can-drink experience at Hedonism, because that's what the name says. And someone offered me one of those, like, I don't know, thousand-proof rums. What is the name of it? It's not going to come to me right now. Cardi 151? It might have been 151. It might have been 151. It's, it's insane. Like, it burns your face. Yeah,
0: it's 151 proof.
1: Yeah, it fucks you up, right? Like, it's
0: legitimately flammable.
1: Yeah, and everyone was like, oh, yeah, let's let's see if Laura wants to do this. And I thought, who cares? It's a shot. Like, it's over and done with like that. I swear to God, I left my body for a solid, like, five minutes. It takes a long time to come back down to Earth. And then even when you return, you don't know yourself. It was the most intense fire-breathing journey of my life, Oh, I'll this, never this, do it again. This will be worse. Yeah, this is worse. that right? No, thank you. Wow. Lesson learned, okay. So if ever anyone ever offers you that, just don't. No. I mean, it already has like this super medieval font to the bottle, which says pain to me. I think of medieval tortures and say, yeah, no, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's technically a Swedish liqueur made with wormwood.
1: Wormwood. Yeah. That's one of those old, like, witchcrafty ingredients. Yeah, yeah, it's... Wormwood. It's, in theory, has hints of citrus. I've never had any citrus that tastes like that. Please, they say that shit to make you feel a little more friendly to it. Like, oh, I know citrus. Yeah, citrus is always good. Like, it it helps fight scurvy. Yeah, they go, oh, that's refreshing. I do like a little citrus. Honey, putting my nose in that, there is no damn citrus in that thing. Let me tell you. (laughs) That was just straight gas and meat and barley. There's no there's no citrus there. <laughs> Mm-mm. Mm-mm.
0: My my guest last night spent some time in Chicago and she thought it would be funny to, to bring this bottle and then was like, "Oh, you should get everyone to take shots of it." And I'm like, uh, "That's gonna ruin some interviews."
1: I mean, yeah, as it as it would. I mean, someone tapped into it though. That was last night's drink.
0: Yeah. Oh no, we did a shot on air last night. Ooh. Like I can. I can completely, I'm so used to this shit. Yeah. I can completely no sell it. I know exactly what I'm going to It's like, you know,
1: you, you get accustomed to it. It's just like, oh, I know this is going to be
0: horrible, but it's not going to be a
1: surprise. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you can prep for it better than I probably could. Yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't dare. I wouldn't dare. I'm happy with my red wine. You know, the more that I uh, age with beauty and brilliance, I'm like, what's the thing that suits me best? Red wine. And my perfect spot is a glass and a half. A little over, and then I'm like, okay, we enter some interesting waters, but a glass and a half, I don't know what it is. Maybe others can attest to this. It's like the most beautiful, encouraging, you-go-girl feeling of your life. And, like, you get a little more romantic. You get a little bit more flexible in ways. And I'm like, okay, this is good. I like this. I like this feeling. But it might, it might change down the line. Right now, I'm very happy with it, though.
0: Well, I mean, they say what your body sheds all its cells every 7 years so yeah. in 7 years you could be like nah red wine's out
1: but this is like a, like like doctors recommend a glass of red a day like check out the mediterranean diet y'all supposedly a glass of red a day is so good for the heart i, I feel like doctors don't i'm not like an
0: ad or anything like that but doctors don't always know shit like cuz all the motherfuckers that live to like well over 100 like mm. oh i drink a fifth of jack daniel's a day and up how to bake it it's just like
1: this is it. Just, I was just on Instagram, and there's this, you know, viral clip of this woman. I'm 104, and I drink three Dr. Peppers a day. And it's like, what? What? I I, I don't know who to believe or what to trust anymore.
0: See, I want someone to do a study and yeah. do an IQ test on every one of these people that make it over 100.
1: An IQ test.
0: Yes, because I, my theory, my mm. hypothesis is they're idiots. Really? That they're all dumb and they're not stressed out and they've just gone through life go.
1: Ooh. Yeah, there's probably some there's probably some insane like chill in their life because the reality is stress that will take years off your life. Exactly. These people don't have much wear and tear that's happened to them, right? Like that's we do need to explore that. I would like the stories of these folks that make it over a hundred. It's like, oh yeah, you can have a car from the sixties or seventies if yeah. it's never been fucking driven. If it's never been driven. Thank you. Well said. My car has been driven and put away wet, okay? <laughs> like my, my shit's been weathered. Right? I've put some hard miles on. Definitely some hard miles, okay? I've got all-season tires because we never know what the fuck is coming up. Exactly.
0: <laughs> but my my theory is these people are like, you know, intelligence has been shown to higher cases of depression. Yeah. All. So it's just like, I bet
1: every one of these people are fucking idiots. Yeah. I, I, mean, there's, I mean, what are they going to do? They're going to try to fight me? They're 100 years old. There might be a weaving theme between them. Well, that's that's the other thing, right? How adorable. I mean, they are. They're over 100. Um, would you want to live that long? Uh, like, does that look fun? Depends on the quality of life. That's right.
0: Because it's like, oh, if I'm in constant fucking agonizing pain and right. I'm in just like a withering shell, yeah. No.
1: What's the perfect, like, age to, to croak? About 15 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> oh, honey, we're late. Yeah. Oh, we are late.
0: Oh, I, I 100% like I'm 42. Yeah. And this is a fictional age to me. Like, when I hit 30, I'm like,
1: I'm this is someone's parents' age, right? <laughs> like... Yeah, I know that feeling. Trust me. Like, I'm not supposed to be 30. I mean, I, I love I love the idea that we are living longer and that, you know, there are some crazy success stories of these people that live into like their 104, 5, 6, 7, 8. Supposedly we might even be able to make it to 120. Maybe. But I'm like, what would I look, feel, and sound like at that age? And what do you do for fun at 120? You you can't like. What are you gonna do? Like, I don't even know if sitting in my skin would feel comfortable at that point. Right. You just wake up every day like, oh, guess I didn't die. Yeah, I guess I didn't die. Put another fucking tick on the wall over there, right? Like, right. I don't know if I want. I don't know if I want that, mind you. I couldn't tell you the perfect age to go. I mean, if I can't get wet anymore, get me out of here. That's gonna be my my calling right there.
0: I'm thankful that. Many old men before me have fixed the ED already, so I don't have to worry about, like, my dick not working. Because I, 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 I said in the 90s, like, oh, at the point where, like, sex is no longer interesting and my dick doesn't work, it's right. time to go.
1: Yeah, but we've prioritized you guys, okay? Society has been like, we must make sure that men can have sex until the rest of their lives. Like, we have done everything to make sure that you guys have what you need to keep it going. I know. It's so new that we're, like, talking about, like, helping women feel equipped and you know, able to enjoy their sexuality later into life. And I'm like, this is so fucking overdue. Like, come on. Like, obviously, like, we're celebrating the MILF. We've got women, you know, owning themselves and taking on their singlehood later in life and really just thriving. Like, yeah, they should be able to have every possible sexual experience that they want, just the way that we equipped you guys. I wholeheartedly agree. Right? I mean,
0: y'all, like, popularizing cougars Mm -hmm. going after the young dude should be much more prevalent yeah like, yeah no one should bat an eye when you know someone in their 40s is like yeah i got a 20 year old stud yeah because you're both reaching your sexual primes at that point that's too. that's
1: right and like honestly we don't we don't even question it on the flip side no that's the thing right it's like no no we would never question that in the reversal on the loose bit,
0: <laughs> unless unless dude's ugly and then they'll be like oh he's rich
1: yeah he's totally rich <laughs> he's he's totally rich he can afford that that's fucking wild, ain't it? Yeah, I
0: know. It's yeah. like, the this imaginary system that we all agree upon mm. makes this okay.
1: <laughs> mm, mm. Oh, God. <laughs> Painful. Painful. It,
0: it's like, oh, well, polite society says that money, you know, allows all these things. Like,
1: huh, only a couple hundred years ago it was just a, through, made through violence. I just think it's wild that, like, this is our modern world. I don't know if it's possible to come up with uh, what is necessarily – we're changing what's acceptable. We're changing what should be the normal. And there's some things that we still hold on, hold on to so tightly that I'm like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" Well, that's the
0: problem with humanity. It's like right. we are super adaptable, mm. but we are so fucking stuck in our ways about so many things. Like, oh, but this is how we've always done. Like, I I'm very I wouldn't say I'm against organized religion, but I really don't believe in it.
1: I it's for me. It's not for me. I know that. I know that it's not at all for me. And I think that there are people that can see their lives improved for the better from it. Again, that's not my story. And then there's a huge reality of people that are basically drinking the Kool-Aid and have a very scary relationship to the world because of it. Um, There's a lot of avoiding, confronting Aspects of our humanity that comes with some of these really, really strict and rigid religions, and uh, and and that to me, like I, I weep for individuals that aren't able to explore themselves because they are within the binds of their practice. Beautifully right? said. Like I, I wholeheartedly agree. But right, and then on top of it, it's just like sitting through a full Catholic mass. It's like, mm. oh, this hasn't changed in hundreds of years. Both my parents were raised Catholic. I was not. I was not. But what I will say was that. Uh, My father's mother, we're Hungarian, so like everyone talks like a vampire and everyone's (laughs) very dramatic and sexy. And I remember my father's mother used to take my twin sister and I to all the local churches in Toronto. And she would make us pose underneath these, the the statues of, you know, Jesus on the cross or um, Mary and pseudo Pieta positions. And I remember she would take photos of us in these beautiful, wanton, you know, faces looking up at whatever the religious iconography was. But it all felt like a perfume ad. Like, we were, like, filming, like, it was like a perfume like promo piece. It wasn't actually, like, us adoring these things. It was just very glamorous and beautiful. And, you know, I do still like going into churches. Don't get me wrong. Like, architecture-wise, they are fascinating. Oh, definitely. Religious art itself, what is it? About that orgasmic ecstasy on everyone's face. What is that?
0: Probably projection on the part of the artist. They were so repressed that it was mm. the only way they could get it out.
1: But, like, why don't we acknowledge that? That the face of, say, Jesus on the cross... I'm probably going to dangerous places right now. And Oh, I, no. I, I oh, no. Know. Okay, good. <laughs> Jesus on the cross in that, like, wanton, I just, I just blew my load look. Like, every face in religious... Depictions of, you know, artful depictions, they're always in some state of orgasm or euphoria. Well, you gotta, you gotta
0: look at like really old school Catholicism. Yeah. Like self flagellation was a, definitely a thing. Like yeah. suffering for the Lord was definitely a thing. So, so kinky. <laughs> right. Like, I, I love that like some of the most repressive motherfuckers were yeah. so kinky. Right. Right. <laughs> you really look at it another light.
1: But isn't that wild that they just don't package it as kink? You know, like the, the the practicing Catholic that then goes and and does the self-flagellation. They they don't I, are they not able to see like that is so fucking kinky like you could literally be at the bondage ball in downtown LA and everyone would be like go get it woo yeah right. like if you changed
0: your outfit out
1: yeah you would
0: just walk right in
1: that's it right <laughs> put put that whole thing in latex and you've got a whole community of people that will literally celebrate and embrace you for doing this and being this way like it's so insane it's just, I, I I'm so grateful I didn't grow up in that chokehold of religion Um, But I think there are people that are able to redeem themselves and their identity once, you know, out of it. So it's not like it's a death sentence if it is something that you're a part of, say, even for most of your life. But it's amazing how close those parallels are. Wow. Right?
0: It's it's utterly insane.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's a very – it really, it really blows my mind. But like I said, I'll never turn down visiting these, you know, homes of worship Places of worship, if I'm say in Europe or whatever, they're they're very they're very sexy to me. The the silence in them, the uh, the hard surfaces, um, the kneeling, like it's it's quite sexy to me.
0: What what is the favorite church you've been to?
1: Uh, probably Sacré Coeur in uh, Paris, which is in Montmartre, beautiful top of the city overlook. That uh, I mean, it's just such a stunning place. I used to love um, uh, uh, Notre Dame as well, but part of it burned down a few years ago in Paris. And Europe and its churches. I mean, I've been through parts of Italy where there's just church after church after church, and it's the same damn thing time and time again. And yet every time you walk in, I I don't know why, you feel kind of special walking in. Like, I also love St. Paul's Cathedral in uh, New York City. You walk in and it's like, oh, Wow. Wow. Is it St. Pat's? It's St. Pat's, isn't it? Well, I'm really bad. St. Paul's or St. Pat's? St. Paul's is in London. I will Google. I okay, don't good. know. St. Paul's is in London. St. Pat's is in New York. And I bet I got that one right. And if I did, I'm a fucking genius. <laughs> Listen to me. Like, I sound like I'm an actual. Yes, it is St. Pat's in five points. Okay, St. Oh, Pat. no, that's uh, Columbia, South Carolina, not five points New York. Never mind. Hold
0: on. All right. I'm like, oh, five points. Oh, that's New York.
1: Confirming it, people. Uh, St. Patrick's Cathedral, New York, New York. St. Yeah. Pat's in New York, and St. Paul's in London. <laughs> okay, I was able to place them on the map correctly. Thank goodness. Now I'm still granted entry. Yeah, no, I, I I like being in those spaces. They are beautiful, and it's also crazy to think that the church is like one of the largest landowners in the world. But right. I mean, I, I honestly, I cannot even begin to get into how ridiculous it is that I think, you know, um, the way that they're able to skirt so much of like taxes and what's the the rest of us in this country are dealing. I think that that's just so frustrating. But at least they they made them pretty, you know. There's some really pretty spaces. And like, oh,
0: hey, government, if I could stop paying taxes too, I will make things very pretty.
1: Yeah, exactly. As Pretty
0: as you want. Oh my it?
1: God, <laughs> don't even get started. If I didn't have to pay taxes, uh, I would be going around decorating everything with flowers and and you know gold negligees hanging from ceilings and whatnot. Like I would definitely take care of the aesthetic. Right. Oh my goodness, please. Yeah, mm-hmm. I know. Maybe perhaps a new venture for us. Right. We'll yeah. Form a nonprofit out of this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we probably will. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. But no, I I I I love. I love doing Europe trips, and I will always, always do Europe churches. They're fucking epic. So is Paris the number one spot in Europe for you, or no? Hell, no. I've done I've done a lot of Europe. When I was doing burlesque, which was like ten years of my life, I remember booking a tour through Europe, and uh, I made my way London, uh, Milan, Rome, um, Berlin, Hamburg, um, Vienna, Budapest. Um, Prague, my goodness. I I just I can't get enough of it. I've gone back for multiple visits. I've done almost all of Italy. I've done uh, so much of London and all the neighborhoods around it. I like I like visiting Europe. I always go there and I go, oh, my God, they're so much cooler than us. Oh my God, they know what they're doing with life. They know how to enjoy it.
0: Well, yeah, the lame ones came to North America.
1: Right. Like, it's amazing how refreshing it is. I was just in the south of France for the Cannes Film Fest. And jealous, very jealous. I know. It was fucking amazing. I Just watching movies, eating bread, and walking on cobblestones for days, pretty awesome. Sign me up. Right? Sign pretty me damn up. awesome. But I came back and there was a full drop emotionally. Like, I had a emotional drop when I came back to America. I was like... We don't know how to live over here. We don't know what we're doing over here. Like, they, they romanticize and appreciate and are able to value so many beautiful small moments of our day. Like, just the, the approval to take a nap in the middle of the day. Like, the social acceptance around that. I'm like, we really drive ourselves hard here.
0: We do. We you know? absolutely do. And it's, it's one of those things where it's just like, as I've traveled abroad more I've determined that America is just the number one marketed country on the planet.
1: 100%. I mean, come on. We're just like a, a country of billboards and 1-800 phone numbers. And I'm like, that's so heartbreaking. Like, I don't know. I'm I'm a hardcore romantic. I'm like, I just take me for a walk. Just, you know, like, sing me a song. Like, I'm such a romantic that anytime I'm over there, I feel very content. So yeah, hopefully more future trips over there. There's still parts of Italy I want to go to, like, Sicily. I wanna go check out Sicily for a little bit. I oh, wanna yeah. you know, I wanna go do Switzerland and have hot chocolate in front of a fireplace. <laughs> like it, little things like that that are insanely cliche, but I like doing that. Well, and that's awesome because like
0: so many people from America will never experience that shit at never, all. Never. Like it still blows my mind how few people have passports and how few people that do have passports don't use them. Or if they do use them, they go on cruises and fucking all exclusive vacations. I'm
1: not a cruise person. No, no. I am not a cruise person. And like, I keep getting invited on boats and things, you know, like people, especially in the summertime, they're like, Hey, you should, we should, we should go on this. Even if it's a small little charter around the Island of Manhattan itself. I'm like, I can't do it. I'm not a boat person. I don't like the feeling of being in open water. It scares me. Nature is so mighty, I don't even want to try and fuck with it. Well, especially now with the orcas sinking ships. Uh, Right? I don't even want to try to be where I shouldn't be. Like, I don't want to trespass, you know? Like, the ocean itself is one of the most unstoppable forces, and it will will fuck you like that. It'll just fuck you up.
0: It'll swallow you like six billionaires.
1: Exactly, like six billionaires. Do you remember how long... We all held our breath. I don't know. Maybe you didn't. Maybe. Not, not all, at all. Yeah. You didn't give a shit, huh? No, not one. As those hours were counting down, I'm not going to lie. I was literally like, I was obsessed with the story. I was like, guys, what do you think they're doing right now? Oh my God. They're running out of air. What do you think? I hope they're meditating. I hope they're laying low. I hope they're barely like, you know, they're reserving their, their, their inhale and exhale. Like I was so obsessed with that story I don't know why. It's like Tales of Destruction can actually be really compelling, obviously. Obviously. that's what. Look at how many of our movies are based on that. Oh, yeah. look, at, look at the way that we tell these news stories. We take over every channel and fill it with it. So yeah, it captures our attention. But that one in particular, I was obsessed. I was refreshing my news app every fucking two minutes. Not your news story. You didn't give a shit. Oh,
0: no. I gave a shit to a small degree. Yeah. Like a small degree. Because it was just like... Honestly, I hope they go quick. because, And they did. Then they did. I mean, I obviously don't want them dead, but when you're going to be stuck, like, the idea like that was already a claustrophobic fucking tube yeah. to, like, just slowly yeah. suffocate in there is terrifying. That's
1: why I couldn't stop thinking about it. I was like, okay, I might like breath play, and I might think it's sexy, and I might hold my breath every time I'm about to climax, but the idea of being in a place where there literally is no more air... That is – someone's going to make a horror movie on this plot. Oh, definitely. Right? As if it didn't just implode. They're going to be like, but what if they were down there for those days? Like, that's that to me was so terrifying and so possessing of my thoughts. I could not get away from it. Yeah. It's, 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 it's just not a fun feeling. So if someone offered you on that trip, you'd be like, no. No.
0: I tried to go scuba diving in a very controlled situation <laughs> oh. one time. And I was just like, nope, this is not for me.
1: Yeah, I didn't like, I went scuba diving once in Mexico. And I remember we went uh, right before the sun was going down. And, you know, it was daylight. And then you have to go down on that little line. You're holding a line and basically you have to do pressure checks on your way down. Terrifying. Because like, what if you don't pass the test, but you can't explain it? And then your head explodes a couple feet lower. I don't know. But you're going down. And by the time we finished looking around and went, it was pitch black. When you returned to surface, it was pitch black, and I was like, "This is this is my worst nightmare. Get me out of here! I don't ever." And the, the feeling of the pressure in your head—no, not my thing. Yeah, no.
0: I, I right there with you. Holly. I don't
1: even like. I don't even like flying if I have a, a cold, like a head cold, because the pressure in the ears is really scary. I sound like I literally don't take any chances in life, and that's not true. Like I, I, I know, know that's not true. Right? I know that's not true. Like I've definitely had some daredevil shit in my time, but you know, trying to think of it off the top of my head. I'm like, I've never done skydiving. I would do that. Skydiving's fun. You've
0: done I, it? I've done it.
1: I would happily jump out of a plane again. Really? Before I
0: went scuba diving again.
1: So there was no, like, fear in you? Oh, no, there was a ton of
0: fear. Okay. There was a ton of fucking fear. It was. I, I've told this story on air before, but it was, I've, I wanted to go skydiving, and it was right after a messy breakup. Oh, <sighs> yeah. And I'm a piece of shit, and I put my ex on, like, all my emergency contact info. <laughs> Well, like, if I don't make it, she's gonna be the first to know,
1: yeah, no, oh my God, mind you, I still do that, I definitely because that's the only phone number I remember off by off the top of my head. Are you kidding? I don't remember other people's phone numbers. I remember my ex that I dated for eons, like that's the number I remember, but like i I don't know i I do weird things like I was at a v n and uh just this past January working at the Motor Bunny booth. And, uh, you know, my my job within the booth was to make sure that people are signing up by dropping their email in the sign up for our newsletter thing. And just to pass the time, I started signing up every family member, <laughs> I signed up my dad. And there's this ad that's going around. One of their newsletters for Motor Bunny features the performer Sky Blue. And I love Sky. You know, we're we're buds. She's cool. But short blonde hair, there's a similarity. My father fully sent me a message and said, Congratulations on this motor bunny campaign, Laura. This looks really cool. And I'm like, Dad, as if I would sign you up for something that's going to have me riding a motor bunny on it and send it direct to your inbox. He was like, So that's not you? And I said, That's sky blue. And then I texted Sky and I was like, My father just thought that you were me and I was you. And she said, this happens all the time. We literally, it happens all the time. I'm
0: pretty sure that's a plot of a porn. I know, right?
1: <laughs> the offers are about to come rolling <laughs> right. in, right? Like, let's get the two of them together. Uh, hilarious, you know, the the short blonde hair thing. Even though she doesn't rock that look anymore, you know, that's not the identity. But it's like if you launch into the business with a certain look, especially one that's like pretty rare, you know, the, the short hair thing doesn't come up a lot, and so it's like, duh, of course, she's always going to be known as that short, pixie-cut, blonde-haired performer. But yeah, no, even my father couldn't tell. As if, Dad, I would sign you up for the Motor Bunny newsletters just so you could see me riding a Motor Bunny. Like, calm down.
0: Yeah, that, and It's a weird thing for him to not, like, I
1: understand he's trying to be supportive, but that's also, right. like, a weird to be like... Why did you send me this? Like, But I'm also like, do you not know what I look like? Like, I don't know, can you not like just lean in a little closer to your Dell laptop screen and realize <laughs> that, like, that's not your daughter? <laughs> like, it's like, when did she get that mole? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, it, it's literally not me, dude. Like, literally. Like, I don't know where you think I got those tits from, but that is not me. Right?
0: Like, where do your tattoos go? I guess they're exactly. <laughs> out.
1: Exactly. Mind you, when I did the Hustler cover uh, just this past April... They photoshopped all my tattoos out and I didn't even notice it. But I went through all of the the spreads, the centerfold and everything and I was like, there's something very clean and beautiful about this collection of images. Wow, I really like them. I just I look so clean and stunning and immaculate and my skin looks great and I didn't realize they had removed all of my tattoos. Which you know, it wasn't it wasn't a great pain. I wasn't upset about it, but it's just you you don't you don't realize you don't realize that those things are a part of you until they're gone. Right? And I'm like, there's something different about these images. It was really wild. Well, and like I understand,
0: like the especially the magazines are trying to sell like the idealized, right? But it's like, come on.
1: These tattoos are part of people's as if the idealized means no tattoos, right? Like, give me a break. Maybe in 1960. No, oh, yeah, it, it, which it is not, thankfully. <laughs> which it is not. Although at times it does feel like it. I mean, know, if it was
0: 1960, I, I don't think you could be doing this interview unescorted by your man. Oh so. no, no,
1: no, exactly, right, <laughs> exactly. There's there's a lot of things that would not be the same. But then again, you you know, see some of the advances of the Supreme Court, and you say, okay, maybe we are going backwards maybe we are oh, but this is a non political podcast we're not getting into politics i
0: mean it happens sometimes it goes I'm where sure it goes it does where does it go all sorts of places really
1: In politics the religion
0: obviously we yeah be,
1: we went there we went there like i don't think anything should be all fucking limits no so like you just have people spill it right here oh, yeah. anything they want oh yeah anything anything wow like my fetish for dentistry yeah We we can definitely dive into that. The only, like, the only thing I think I've ever like put the kibosh
0: on is I had a guest, like, a Caucasian guest, drop some hard end bombs. I'm like, that's not particularly cool. Whoa, good on you to say no to that. And she
1: argued with me about it. I'm just like, it's your career, but like, this is not cool. My dentistry fetish. So look, no, this is this is this is real, and this is very important for the people to know and to understand. I know that. We, we like to play this game of what's the sexiest profession, you know, because it's what gives us the the information we need to know about what stripper we're hiring for what party and what costumes to push, you know, in, in adult Halloween shops. This is important shit. What is the sexiest profession? I fucking love dentists. I'm obsessed with everything and every way that they go about their job. Uh, I love the sterility the the sterile environment of their workplace. I love that kinky chair that you know can can bend and dip and drop my head lower than my ass. I love that light. What is that light that's on a rack above your head? Uh, I love everything about the sound of the gloves going on. The lower voice that the dentist speaks in, be it man, woman, or anyone else, they're in the very calming, soothing. Voice. They have to. They have to. Most people are terrified. I love that most people are terrified, and I love that I'm not. And then come the rollout of the little tools. It's the little tools that get me. They are like these tiny little killers, right? My favorite is that scraper. The scraper, the I like the hook that pulls on the gum and pulls down. Often uh, conjures a tiny bit of blood. My favorite, but I also love that weird scraper that they use, and you can hear the sound of your own tooth inside of your head. Um, right. I. So. I love the forced mouth open. I think that's like so fun. I love the idea that it's like, keep it open. And sometimes they'll fill it with cotton and your mouth is just past capacity and they're like, keep it open. And then sometimes they have the hook vacuum that you close your lips around. And it. But sometimes in old school spots, they make you lean over a little porcelain bowl and they go, okay, spit. And you're wearing the bib and you go... And I don't know why. It just feels like you're coming up after being underwater for like a year. And you come up and you take that breath and you just spit it in the little thing. I'm obsessed with it. It's, I think it's the sexiest thing in the world. I love that experience at the dentist.
0: You're the only person I've ever heard like express that.
1: I don't understand how people can't just get so hot on this. It's so fun. It's so kinky. The pain is tolerable, especially if you have good dental hygiene. Uh, but it's it's just, it's, it's such a thrilling experience, you know? It's like visiting a professional dominatrix. They just see where they can poke and gently get a reaction from you. Like, I love it. Now
0: if all professional doms could just take insurance.
1: If, oh, oh my God, wouldn't that be the best? That's a brave new world right there. I could definitely go for that. I mean, I, technically California, like, massage therapists can
0: take insurance. So if you set up your dungeon as a massage studio,
1: that's a good workaround. That's a workaround. Is it? I mean, can someone please call the hotline tonight and let us know if they've had success with that business strategy. I'm curious. Somebody's got to try it, right? Right. Right. Insurance. Taking insurance would definitely, uh, that would change the game big Uh, time. It would. Oh, I wish America would do that with all sex work. I really, I, it's the most holistic shit in the world. I cannot believe how fucking criminalized we want to keep things, how absolutely dangerous we want to keep so many of these realities. I'm like, we're talking, it's right up there with breathing, eating, and shitting. People have the pursuit of pleasure within them. We are all seeking the compassion of an encounter with another person, be it, yes, definition sexual or be it just like shared time together, which it was a lot of what these encounters are about. Oh, sure. And the the crazy part is like,
0: if I take you to a multi-thousand dollar dinner and, you know, sex happens just because of feeling an obligation because of the dinner Mm, or some mm, shit mm, or mm. whatever the motivation is, but you wouldn't have done it if the thousand dollar dinner was on the table. Perfectly legal. A-okay. Right. Socially acceptable. Right. I hand you that thousand. Yeah. And we've skipped the fucking foreplay. Right. Oh, we're both going to jail.
1: And th- it's so absurd because, you know, if more of our society had a successful release, I do believe we would see a decrease in a lot of the cruelty.
0: Would hope. But also, like, on the flip side of that is I don't want to inflict incels on fucking sex workers. Right.
1: Exactly. <laughs> right. Right. That's fucking terrifying. That's a terrifying reality. But there are steps to, I don't know, am I really about to give steps for departure from the incel community? I'm like, <laughs> why well, I am not- Do you need person. more
0: wine for this? <laughs> I'm like,
1: I am not the person, why on earth would I even walk myself to this path? I'm like, it definitely starts in a, a solo self-acceptance and maybe getting comfortable with your body and maybe accepting that there are natural aspects of humanity including sexual urges and sometimes you have to take it upon yourself and it doesn't mean that the rest of society hates you or is refusing to interact with you it just means like hey maybe this is step number one learn how to self-pleasure and then from there you can start doing some social experimenting with actually talking to people not just for the guarantee of sex not just for the the confirmation that this is going to become something sexual, but just to start having healthy interactions. That's the guidebook right there in cells. Just start it. Start your journey. I, I agree. And also, I do realize most people don't hate you. Most people just don't think about you. Yeah, most people just don't think about you.
0: People like are they, too obsessed to think about you. Yeah. Like, Society doesn't hate you. They don't even know you exist. I know,
1: but we have ego problems. The thing is, it's like social media and the rise of all that shit has just given us so many ego masturbatory dilemmas in life because it's like I need likes, follows, favorites. I need all of that to inform my self-worth. And so in the absence of that, well, I must be slipping, I must be a shitty person. And it's like, when did we ever start believing this? Like, this is so tragic.
0: Well, and what's even more tragic is, I mean, that is definitely tragic.
1: Yeah. People having
0: to buy likes and followers yeah. to try to boost their ego even oh, further. Even. Oh, damn, even.
1: I thought we were done with that.
0: Oh, no, it definitely still happens.
1: Really? Oh, yeah. I thought that was like way back at the start of Instagram.
0: Oh, no, people can still buy followers on the ground.
1: Why would you do that, though? Like, it's just like, why would you want to crowd your shit with bots and... Fake accounts, like how does that benefit you? Well, de-
0: depending on your field, I do understand it because, like, sometimes casting agents and shit like that—if right. you're in entertainment—look at your follower account, and they may not look at it too carefully to see that your interactions, fucking shit,
1: right? So yeah, but I, I
0: get it at that point.
1: Yeah, the numbers game of the overall followers, but like, it—it it really is a waste of time. But I—I I do know what you mean. It's funny that you said that because even on my visit to Los Angeles on this trip. Uh, everyone was like, I reached out to a lot of podcasts just saying, Hey, I'm in town. You guys want to, well, you got a guest spot? What's going on? Shockingly. I do that. Ugh, ooh, gross. As if they're not all asking for me. Right. But right. Um, but a lot of people would be like, you know what? We're, uh, you're not quite there yet for us. You know, 102,000 followers. Mm, You're not quite there yet for us. And yeah, that's a gross pill to swallow. Right. That's disgusting. Thanks. That makes me feel like shit about myself. But at the same time, it's not the end of me. I'm like, okay, cool. So that's a temporary thing. And I'm not going to let that inform how successful I feel. Exactly. And right.
0: also, if the podcast wasn't going to help you gain some notoriety, yeah. help expose you, what's the point of you doing it? What's the point of me doing it? Like, oh, well, yes, my 104,000 may not be big enough time for you. What the fuck are you going to do for me?
1: Right. But that's it's so funny because once they start booking those larger follow guests, people are like, well, we can just, we can just this, keep this going because, you know, we've, we've set a standard. But I'm like, what about the quality of the conversation? <laughs> right. That, see, that's what's much more co- fucking important to me. Right. And I,
0: I hope that's always the case because, like, I've, right. ha- I've had guests on the, like, 4 million plus Instagram followers. Yeah. And I think the person who was on last night has under 10,000. Yeah. But the quality of the conversation what, actually matters. The content actually fucking matters.
1: Right. Right. I
0: don't give a fuck if you have 300 million followers. If you don't have shit to say – I don't want
1: you here. Well, it's, you probably shouldn't be pursuing podcast opportunities then. Honestly, that's the thing. Not everyone's made to have a conversation. Oh, God, yes. Right? You must have learned that. Oh, I, I'm,
0: <laughs> I'm sure. I,
1: I've told my audience on multiple occasions, you can tell the episodes were like, it was a little difficult because I just go, I'm telling stories the whole fucking time. No, you're not. Oh, yeah. No, you're not. You're just vamping the whole time. Yeah. Oh, that's painful. Yikes, that's uncomfortable. Ick, ooh, I weep for you. Fuck, that's so uncomfortable.
0: But Sometimes you gotta do it.
1: You're such a cam girl. <laughs> that's what we do on cam, man. That's the shit we do on cam. I'm like, another two hours to go. I guess I'll just tell another story. And then you try and stitch them together in some kind of exciting rhythm, some kind of weaving theme through it all. Or maybe that's just me because I'm a programmer and a producer. And I'm like, I would like this to have some kind of a momentum to it. Um, but no, you're a total cam girl now. Oh, I'm a Twitch streamer. I, yeah. I, I get it. Yeah, you get exactly what this is like. Oh, right? yeah. Like, <sighs> Once I start doing
0: Twitch streaming, I'm just like, oh, I'm a nerdy cam girl. Cool. Yeah.
1: yeah. Cool. <laughs> and you can you can find little things that trigger a story to tell. Oh, yeah. Like, it, it's not, you're never in the danger zone. I get it. But some people do not have that comfort in the moment. Well, they shouldn't be doing this either. They shouldn't be doing it either. And now we drink. Cheers to that. Cheers to that. Oh my. <laughs> and it's wild because sometimes it's like
0: generally every anyone who does the show is an entertainer. It's like, well, oh shit. You are just in your medium, and you're great in your medium, mm-hmm. but take them out of the comfort
1: zone. People like to have themselves prepared. Composed prepped and ready with whatever is expected of the fan base that exists for them. You know what I mean? If I'm known as the always political activist, sex worker, you know, advocate, whatever, that's what's expected. And that is actually kind of true in a way. I do feel a little bit of that pressure and it is a passion of mine. And I always want my words to be very Deliberate, and I want them to be effective, and I want them to be sincere. Um, but it is important, I find, to enter situations like this where I don't know the script. I can't prepare the questions. You know, I can't prepare for those answers, anyways. Oh yeah,
0: and that's what I want. I want that honesty. I want people yeah. to overhear our conversations. But that's also like before we got on air, why I prepped you with, I'm not going to ask right this this shit because exactly I, that that's from experience of. People coming to just do these interviews and they're expecting the stereotypical shit. And then when I go, so what was the last concert you went to? They well, yeah. huh?
1: Yeah. Music? Yeah. Like what? <laughs> mine was Tom Jones, though. Nice. FYI, mine was Tom fucking Jones. I'm happy
0: to know that he's like 80-something at this
1: point, right? And sexy <laughs> as hell. I saw him at the Beacon Theater in New York City. I don't know what his production team is smoking, but they have such a slick experience. So Tom Jones, right? Like, yes, dude is ancient. The voice is still immaculate. That's amazing. And there's so much of his career that I didn't know anything about. It's like after the '60s and '70s, there's like this weird '80s, '90s, 2000s moment where like he gets kind of bluesy and gospelly, gospelly. <laughs> and um, so he did a lot of that shit, and it was very prophetic. It was very um, uh, epic in in the experience of being an audience member. I felt like I was listening to a preacher. And the backdrop of the stage had a kaleidoscope of Tom Jones' face in the moment. So someone had a camera on him during that recording, during that show, and they just streamed it on the screen behind him. Who was that cult leader with the Nikes? Apple, Apple, Apple white? apple apple bomb the, the the heaven's gate heaven's gate okay yeah. that dude i always remember his mugshot was like this and that's what tom jones was serving that night at the <laughs> beacon they had these zoom ins of his face while he's in the middle of singing what's new pussycat whoa 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 and it's, it's so extreme that it was it was like cult leader shit
0: that's amazing it was
1: amazing like i wished i had been high for it because it was so consuming. Like I literally, like my soul had been kidnapped and I was just in this audience for Tom Jones. It was amazing. Like they leaned into it. They leaned into the weird of just seeing this old man sing what's new Pussycat. It was fucking genius. That's
0: fucking amazing. I love it. So, and I don't know if this is the old man in me talking about it. like, I feel like as his generation starts to die out, we're not going to have replacement artists like
1: that. No, we're not. Are you kidding? <laughs> The voice alone, I'm sorry, no one sings with a vibrato today. That's the thing. It's like, also, there's no urgency in the music. I am so curmudgeon right now. Listen to me. I'm like, there's <laughs> no good music anymore. I'm such an angry old man right now. But that's, like, I only listen to old music. Like, I literally, I rarely listen to shit after, like, the 2000s. And, um, yeah, of course, it keeps me at a disadvantage with a lot of conversations I have with people about music. But I'm a fan of the oldies. And for me, I'm like, you know, what's missing in music today is that romantic urgency that you get from like uh, uh, Suspicious Minds, Elvis Presley, uh, that you get in uh, Bonnie Tyler, um, uh, Turn Around, Bright Eyes, I Really Need You Tonight, um, Total Eclipse of the Heart. Like the songwriting itself. Now we're talking about like, yo, I missed your call. And guess what? I don't give a fuck yo uh I'm sitting here in my driveway in my you know fucking Maybach, whatever, and it's like, what are we talking about? What are we singing about
0: right well it's it's crazy to, like technology has just changed so many facets of pop culture, right, all of the you know, that or the boomboxing from say anything exactly that would, I, I just text her,
1: yeah, yeah, no, and and that's oh that's so it's so true. that's so true. It's like we don't have to do these presentations of of whatever the message is, we can just send it in a text. We don't need to do these giant grand gestures. We can just send a text. So if anything, yeah, there's there is it's a smaller, it's a smaller effort we have to make.
0: It's a smaller effort we have to make. And we don't have to put ourselves out there as much because if I send you a vulnerable text, yeah. unless you screenshot it and send it to other people, that's just between us. Something like Dude,
1: like <coughs> can we just like Acknowledge a motherfucker like Roy Orbison, though, for a minute. Like, where is the Roy Orbison of today? And what I'm saying is a human being that's, you know, expected to behave and present in a certain way, which, you know, in his era in the 60s, uh, Roy Orbison was a a guy, a, a dude's dude. I mean, he was a little more sensitive. But, like, to sing the songs that he did, like, crying... I was all right for a while. I could smile for a while, but I saw you last night. Uh, You held my hand so tight when you stopped to say hello. Oh, you wished me well, but you couldn't tell that I'd been crying over you. Like, fuck off. Right. What? (laughs) You would never hear that shit today. No. And he did this over and over and over again. Roy Orbison was just pumping out the emotional honesty Fuck off. I miss it so much in today's music. Orbison, Leonard Cohen. Thank you, Leonard Cohen. Oh, my God. Leonard fucking Cohen. Rest in fucking peace, Leonard Cohen. Rest in peace, Leonard Cohen. But what a wordsmith. What a poet. What a beautiful, vulnerable soul. Leonard Cohen just, like, opens a vein and bleeds it out. And he's like, drink it up.
0: I I remember the first time I was exposed to Leonard Cohen, was the National Born Killer soundtrack of all mm-hmm. things, Waiting for a Miracle. Yeah. And I, you know, I was like 13 or 14 when that movie came out. Yeah. I snuck in and saw it in theaters. Mm. And mm. like that just at Teen Angsty, like that, that song just resonated. And yeah. from that point, it was just like, Oh, Leonard Cohen is fucking amazing. Oh,
1: beyond. Yeah. Beyond. And you know what I like about Leonard Cohen especially is that you can listen to his music and it's a whole experience and it's like riveting, but you can also read the lyrics. You can also just read Leonard Cohen. I have a bunch of books on like his collected lyrics and sometimes I just read them and it's it's such a good read. Like, yes, I know he can articulate it with his voice, but it's also really exciting just to read it. Like, what a fucking writer, man. I, I don't I don't know if we have those lyrics anymore. I don't know if we have the interest to express ourselves in that way. Do we? Who's doing it?
0: Well, and are they willing to do it publicly? Like, there yeah. might be someone who's willing to express that on an interpersonal level, but yeah. shout it from the fucking
1: rooftops? That's what I'm saying, right? I don't know. Like, we're talking stadiums full of people singing at the top of their lungs. Like, that's what I'm missing. And that's the kind of that's the kind of affection I love. That's the kind of humanity that I love, the kind that's okay to be absolutely explosive. I am missing it wholeheartedly now. We're just so quiet and small with our gestures. Like I'm just too intense, I think. I think I'm too intense for people. Like I run hot. I'm a triple Aries. I'm like super intense. And I love it. Uh, whatever makes you
0: happy, that's the important part, shit.
1: I just want i want people to be intense all the time. I want you to, like, come to terms with your humanity and, like, go to the, the limits of expressing yourself, even at the cost of maybe embarrassing yourself. Maybe saying something that makes you cringe. Who cares? Do I,
0: it. I agree. Yeah. I have hundreds
1: of hours proving that I am, I agree with that. Hundreds of hours. What's the benefit to your life been by sharing this side of yourself? I have no fucking idea. I was going to say, yeah. Unfortunately, we can't really make it a PSA unless you tell the people what the fuck they're guaranteed. Absolutely nothing in this world. (laughs) Absolutely fucking nothing. You're guaranteed that Laura Desiree might walk into your house and sit down for a chat. That's about it. Yeah.
0: Well, at least we can give that guarantee because that's the only one that I, I won't give shit.
1: Yeah, we haven't... There's no guaranteed greater glories, but like I do implore all the people of the world to please just be a little bit more... Honest and a little bit more daring in how you choose to express yourself. I agree. I, I, it's
0: one of those things where like,
1: who cares what other people think? Like, But everyone does. I but agree. everyone does. I, no, but I think that that's part of our making. Unfortunately, I think that's part of like what it means to be a human. Yeah, but you can't lose
0: sleep over it. You can't lose sleep over everyone else's fucking opinion, especially the anonymous people's opinions. Like, Mm. if I know you Mm. and I trust your judgment, sure. Yeah. Your opinion fucking matters. Yeah. But if I don't fucking know you, I don't know your expertise. I don't know your background. I don't know what kind of fucking day you're having. Right. Why the fuck should I take your opinion? (laughs) Like,
1: Because we're programmed that way. Because we truly feel that in our pursuit of human connections – it is necessary that we are approved of, that we are in the good books, that we are loved, that we, and and people don't want to admit it. I can guarantee there's going to be comments of people being like, that's not true. I don't give a shit about what people think of me. I don't give a shit about what my reputation is. And it's like, that's bullshit.
0: Well, I do agree, but like you and I are both in technically outsiders of mainstream society. Right. right. So we had to, at some point take a conscious decision to be like, Well, we don't give a fuck what the stodgy people
1: in suits. Hundred percent. I'm saying though, like I agree with you. Dial it down a little bit. Like I wouldn't let it rule my entire life. But I think all of us as humans do grapple with that. To even a small percentage. Definitely to a small percentage. And like
0: within my peer group, within my my part of society, I care. Yeah. But to see to the world at large. Yeah. I don't give a fuck.
1: Fuck the world at large.
0: Right. The world at large. It's, it's
1: exploding anyways. Well, it's exploding and it's also... But wait, no, implosions are more on trend these days. It's imploding anyways. <laughs> <laughs> but there's
0: there's also, like, people on this planet that have had such alien existences compared to the life I've lived. Yeah. And vice versa. Like, if you drop them in the middle of Los Angeles, they'd... Pff, yeah. Their mind would be fucking blown. Yeah. Why do I value the opinion of that person?
1: hmm well, until you meet them, I guess you don't. Right? I guess you don't. But would you at least consider that they're out there? Oh, I, I know they're out there. Exactly.
0: I know they're out there. And I'm not diminishing their experiences, their life. Mm. You drop me in the fucking middle of the desert and be like, survive, motherfucker. i be like, dude, um, how do I survive? Because I'm going I to die. I watch all those
1: shows. I watch all that shit alone. <laughs> I watch that shit constantly because um, I don't know what I would do. I don't know what I would do. But every time I watch the show, I'm like, I could do this. I could definitely do this. Like, no, I couldn't, Laura. Get real for a second. Would you know how to build shelter? Would you know how to fend for yourself? Do you know how often I have a dizzy spell because I have forgotten to feed and hydrate myself? Constantly. Or a heart arrhythmia because all I've had all day is coffee and a Nicorette. And I'm like, wait, why am I having a heart attack? I I was just at the gym and it's like because you had pre-workout and coffee, and then a Celsius, Laura. What the fuck do you think? Meanwhile, I watch alone, and I'm like, I'd win this show. Like, no, you wouldn't. No. <laughs> no, you wouldn't. You'd be tapping out in 12 hours, girl. Ugh.
0: And even the so-called expert, like, they exposed that Bear Grylls, like, yeah. just
1: wasn't actually doing it. Wait, did they expose that? Uh-huh. Stop it.
0: Yeah, the, a lot of times he was staying at resorts with the crew.
1: Stop it. Yeah. Oh, my God, that's not hot. No. But then again, okay, I've also heard this about... I've never been on Survivor. I did go through two casting rounds and they didn't pick me. But then oh, that's again, a giant bummer. I know, but they asked me what my gameplay would be. And I was like, well, I would sleep with everyone and I'd be naked all the time. And I think they were just like, we actually can't have that.
0: Right. This this isn't broadcast television. Yeah, they're
1: like, we actually can't have that. But supposedly on Survivor, there is so much of like the tent experience around them of production that you don't necessarily really feel abandoned out there. I wouldn't know because they didn't cast me. Well, that's a bummer. It's such a fucking bummer. Blur me. Blur me. Who cares? Blur me. Right. I said I would win by like basically seducing everyone on every team. And I was like, this is an angle. This is perfect. Get me on this show. Right? I know. No, no one was down for it. I
0: mean, they need to make a sleazy 2023 remake. (laughs) (laughs) And then there'd be multiple people running that angle.
1: Right? Right. I think it's still running. I think Survivor... Oh, no, no. Survivor is still running. No! Yes, it is. And that alone, I'm like, how are there still places on Earth to host this show? How are there locations that are new every time? Yes, there is. Oh, my God. Yeah, the most recent episode
0: is May 25th, 2023. See? See? There's forty four fucking seasons. I
1: know. I well, remember season one. So do I. And it's Richard, like Richard Richard Hatch. Yeah, one. Remember? He was
0: naked a bunch. He too. was
1: naked all the time.
0: I, and between the two, yeah, like I think American wants to see you Please. naked much more than Richard Hatch. My
1: entire gameplay was a tribute to Richard Hatch. Okay, <laughs> and still they're like, yeah, no, no, we can't take her. Uh uh-uh, uh uh uh. But I did the interviews and everything, and I was like so ready to go. I actually ended up watching the season I was supposed to, or I was auditioning for, and I was like, Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't have made it. Too many bugs. (laughs) (laughs) I mean,
0: this is mind blowing to me the fact that, like, besides, where the fuck do they actually film it at this point?
1: Who the fuck is still watching this? There's a huge community of survivor obsessors, like, obsessed audiences. Isn't it nuts? 44 fucking seasons? Yeah, that's fucking crazy. And it's still the same theme song. I'm I'm sure if you just close your eyes and let the the sound of it come back to you, it will. Um, It's amazing. And it's still Jeff Probst. He is still hosting this thing. Girl, that facelift is fucking snatched. (laughs) She looks good. I, I kind of want to Google what Jeff, Jeff Rose Yeah, he that. he still looks good. I mean, he's he's aging with like a very seasoned grace about him. You know, I'm all about the crow's feet. They're delicate, but they're definitely there. It's very distinguished.
0: He's been doing this since 1996. I know.
1: <laughs> I, isn't that a nuts legacy?
0: Right, like that, that's mind blowing. I mean, yeah. I appreciate his job security yeah, like,
1: completely. <laughs>
0: You generally don't get that in entertainment unless you're hosting a game show.
1: That's a long career. That's up there with like Pat Sajak, right? That's up there with fucking Bob Barker. Like, and this isn't a closed set studio show. I know Jeff has it easy while he's there. Let's be honest. You know he's staying at a nice fucking hotel. And he's oh, for sure. But the thing is, is like, dude, he still travels there. Right. He has to get on a fucking plane, a yes. boat. To get yes. To his remote location. Yes, he does, and sometimes he has to stand on a weird platform in the middle of the water and say, "Survivors, ready? Go!" I watch a lot of it. <laughs> <laughs> I watch a lot of it.
0: Hey, as long as it makes you happy, that's yeah. That's really the important thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's there's so many exciting elements of it still to this day. The fact that like probably the best move you could do is go there large. If you go there with excess weight on you, you'll do better than everyone else because that's when shit gets really crazy, when you get really hungry and when people get really weak and malnourished. I would load. I would load up and then I would go on that show and just watch the let them see the transformation naked, you know, as I just slim and trim down.
0: That'd be wild. Like you do the interviews, like yeah, you know, looking like your normal self. Yeah, By the yeah, time yeah. You, you show up, to you've got like two chins going, they're like yes. they're like,
1: they're like what <laughs> the fuck? I, you do not look like your headshot. What <laughs> the fuck is happening here? It's all part of the plan. I came to win. I came to win. Uh, it's 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 a good move though. You know, I have a lot of strategies. If someone, if you're listening to this and you're being considered for Survivor, please get in touch with me. Like I have everything you need to know. Mm-hmm. So what's stopping you from auditioning again? I think I got to audition again. I think you do too. I think I have to audition again. I can't think of a good enough answer to just not do it again. You know, I, I got really close and I learned that I probably need to change up my gameplay a little bit. I should probably have some other ideas beyond seducing everyone. But like, I think I mean, once you're there, do that. Yeah, a hundred percent. But I think, I think like I would legitimately be a great castmate on Survivor. Just, Come with, like, oh, well, I'm just gonna, you know, play people against each other. Yeah. It's gonna be high drama with me. That's what it is, right? It's like so much of the show is actually about like social manipulation and it's actually not about like whether or not you can climb over this rope wall. Like, yeah, that the physical abilities come into play. And yes, there is survival elements of needing to find your own food and needing to survive on fucking rice and beans. Well, wasn't it
0: like one of the first seasons where like the most competent person was the first person they voted off? That's
1: what I'm saying. Like, it's it's all a social experiment. And I think that's the lasting appeal of Survivor. I think that's really why it has stood the test of time, is that it's not about the, the paradisical location. It's not about the fact that, you know, you do these cool, you know, challenges that involve physical feats. I think it's the social manipulation because we as human beings that are self-aware and constantly fearful of how we are received by our community, that's the appeal. That's it. That's it, wholeheartedly. I think it could be a show that goes on, you know, for another 50 years.
0: I, I love that you feel that human society is going to go on for another 50 years. Why
1: am I so into Survivor all of Never <laughs> in my wildest dreams did I think I was going to come on this show and talk about Survivor. Like, <laughs> girl, what? Like, I-, I promise I don't have time in my day to even watch Survivor because I'm so busy. Um, but I definitely find time to, to binge some shit. But I've-, I've been binging a lot lately. I've been doing a lot of binges, the Succession and... Then I binged. uh, I'm starting Billions now. I'm very late to the game.
0: Billions is great until later seasons.
1: Don't tell me anything. That's it. No, just the other day, someone came up to me and said, guess what? Axel's back. And I'm like, why are you telling me this? I'm on season one, bro. I'm on season one. I'm just saying... The quality declines in later seasons. Okay, so. great. That's it. I'm glad I have that in like actual video proof because <laughs> there's some people I might need to show that to when they're asking, so why did you stop watching it? Bitch, it sucked. Yeah, it
0: it it becomes a little convoluted. They, really? They probably should have ended it a little earlier.
1: What's the best TV series of all time? The wire. Oh my god. What? Okay, give me number two.
0: Number two. Hmm. Are we talking live action only or? Yeah. Okay, because I'm into some weird cartoons, too. I, I
1: believe it, okay. <laughs> I, mean, I believe it. Yeah, live action. Live action. Yeah.
0: Uh, I, as cheesy and campy as it is at yeah. times, Babylon 5. Okay. Because one of the things I love about that show is that they plotted it from the first season mm-hmm. to the end at the beginning. They knew where the whole oh, show... That's,
1: yeah, that's that's smart. Because
0: that's the problem with most episodic television is yeah. they don't know when to fucking stop.
1: At all. At all. People would love to just keep it going if maybe there's still people watching. You know what I mean? But you got to be able to edit yourself and call the fucking shots on it. Exactly.
0: Yeah. That's why The Wire is great. It's five seasons. It's yeah. tight. Have you ever watched it? Or-
1: okay, I hate that you said it like that. Why did you have to ask it? <laughs> did you ever watch it? I felt so judged. <laughs> I'm going to tell you this right now. My f- No judgment. My favorite TV show of all time has always been Oz. Oh, I lo- half the Oz cast went onto the wire. Stop it right now. Listen, Oz, end all be all, I fucking love Oz. Right around
0: the corner, I have the entire run of it on DVD.
1: Love Oz, okay? Oh, same here. Still to this day, I've rewatched it. I still love it, even though parts of it have aged terribly. It's Boy. like the whole idea of that dynamic between Tobias Beecher and Vern Schillinger is just so tense and sexy and weird and runs the whole show it runs the whole show which i love so oz was always my favorite and then i watched sopranos late to the game so i watched these two big shows and then of course i did you know breaking bad and and um I'm a huge sex in the city fan whatever i'm dating this guy a few years ago and he says, um, you know, you really need to watch The Wire. It's the greatest show of all time. And I said, yeah, I'd, I'd like to watch The Wire. Let's let's watch The Wire together. I'd really like to watch The Wire. And I'm talking to more people. you got to watch The Wire. you got to watch The Wire. And so uh, I was on a schedule where I would wake up very early to shoot Naked News, and he would stay up kind of later. And so I'd go to sleep, and he would have the laptop in bed, and he would watch something after I went to sleep. And uh, weeks went by. And I happened to stay up later with him one night. And I said, why, though, what have you been watching? And he goes, oh, yeah, re-watching The Wire. And I said, but I told you explicitly I've never seen The Wire and I want to watch it with you. And he said, did we have that conversation? And I said, well, what the fuck? You can't restart it again now, you know, because, like, I understand once you're in it, you're in it. And so, yes, at some point in this life, I will watch The Wire. It's going to be a solo fucking journey, though. I am not waiting on anyone else to watch The Wire. I am not going to do tandem viewing with someone. I am watching The Wire on my own by myself, and I don't want to hear from any of you about it. So,
0: first and foremost, where is he buried?
1: (laughs) Listen, that guy is still running gleefully through HBO fields and valleys, okay? Well, that's... still. I mean, he is a horrible human being. Like, I hope you broke up with him. I literally said... I want to watch The Wire. I am so done with how fabulous this thing has been received and how people are just creaming their jeans over it, blowing their load for The Fucking Wire. And, and that's what he chose to watch as I went to sleep every night. And I was like,
0: oh. And then went to gaslight you about it yes. on top of it.
1: like that—that That is a horrible human being. That's, that's tough, right? Like, because, like, dude, come on. Um, so I have yet to watch it. And I know it's so great. It's great, right? It is.
0: And a lot of... The Oz cast went over to The Wire afterwards.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was kind of the next one for HBO, wasn't it? So, like, Oz set the tone for, like, taking on some really insane subject matter and some really fresh and controversial subject matter. And then The Wire came out, and as I understand it, each season is a different perspective of...
0: So it's a slightly altered perspective. So season one is very, feels very, like almost stereotypical cops and robbers. Uh-huh. So it follows um, some of the drug dealers and it follows some of the police detectives. Mm-hmm. Season two changes it up where they start following Baltimore dock workers that are, like, bringing in weight. Ooh. And the same police. But
1: those other characters are still existing, right? the, But they're more of the background. like right.
0: Famously, Michael K. Williams, yeah. who played Omar, yeah. was livid that season two, like, came out of... Mm. Focusing on you know the black characters,
1: yeah.
0: you know, and push them to the background. He, he's like, it wasn't until like later seasons that I saw the whole picture and it yeah. made sense. But in, at the moment, it's like we have this beautiful black show, and yeah. you guys are whitewashing it with these white dockers.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I can, I can feel that tension. That's uh. Eventually, it found its way, though, did it not? Oh yeah. People would say, as a whole, the anthology of it is oh, incredibly 100%. satisfying. One hundred percent because yeah.
0: season three goes back to focusing on some of the season one characters, but expands it more citywide. And then you start getting into some of the politics of the city of the city of Baltimore as well. The fourth season, which a lot of people consider their favorite season is not mine. And that is purely because, um, McNulty, who's one of the main cops who (laughs) is just a giant fuck up, but he's, he's the, his, as a character, he's like the guy who's smarter than everyone in the room and he knows it, but he's always trying to get away with shit because
1: isn't there the, isn't there a media a media season? That's five. That's five. Okay, yeah, yeah. Because five, I always hear about people talking about the media one, and I'm like, oh. Okay. But yeah, the fourth season explores
0: like children growing up in Baltimore mm-hmm. and affected by this shit, and like, wow. By the end of season four, like the four childhood characters kind of fall into roles of some of the adult characters from the previous seasons. Yeah, it's like it, it shows the the evolution,
1: mm.
0: and then the fifth. The fifth season gets into the politics, the streets, and where the media plays in all this. Mm.
1: Mm. mm. I just my 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 Nicorette that I just put in my mouth is about to hit my bloodline. Hang on. It's entering through the gum. <laughs> it's coming through the gum. And I am I'm so satisfied right now. Okay, so the wire is a must do. It is. I might even need to start it tonight. You should. The wire is happening, people. You should. I'm gonna have a whole review series on it. And
0: what you should do mm. is get the digital versions mm-hmm. because it's old enough that it was aired in 4.3, mm-hmm. but it was shot in 16 by 9. So they did a remastered edition a couple years back digitally where they broke it back out to 16 by 9. Yeah. Okay. So uh, okay. a lot of the shots were just like, oh, when this originally aired, it didn't look this good.
1: Okay, so I then I definitely want to get as good as it gets. That's my whole, I, I want it to be the most primo experience of witnessing what people are calling the greatest series of all time. Yeah. I literally, that's the number one answer I get when I ask anyone about the greatest TV series. I'm like, dude, Really? obsessed with, obsessed with it. I
0: rewatched all 75
1: episodes during the pandemic. Really? Okay, so fuck it. I got to do this then, big time. Yeah, 75 hour long episodes. Okay, good. Well, what are we doing? I should hop on it right now. Oh, oh, we're just calling the podcast? Yeah, we're (laughs) going to call the podcast. I got to go watch The Wire, guys. Uh,
0: I guess I'll go to my room. You can use the couch. Feel free to. (laughs) I know you don't want anyone there (laughs) here for the religious experience of it, so. I
1: don't want anyone to interfere with my journey with The Wire.
0: Uh, I'll just set you up Yo, get you another glass of wine. That's all that matters. Just let me you. know when you're ready to go. I'll just
1: cool. <laughs> cool. Cool. I'm into it. But hey, I mean, this has been a smash.
0: <laughs> <laughs> cuz the problem is like as much, I love Oz. I do actually mm. love Oz. Yeah.
1: But there's points where like the musical episode. Like um listen, there's um there's some moments even in the spoken word poetry. That doesn't really it's not as cool now the, I don't know when I watched it when it aired the musical episode like
0: this just feels like the writer's room went a little crazy here
1: well i, I, I I'm all for writers taking some chances. I mean right now they're taking chances on uh, better working conditions and i I am so with them and I wish I could rally with them right now because I'm like we need writers oh yeah, we need them, but sometimes they take weird choices and, and make weird decisions right. They do, they do, and like
0: sometimes it's a risk. I appreciate it when it's totally in line with the you know overarching yeah. product, or if it's a one-off thing, please be weird it's as so, shit.
1: It's so funny. I don't remember the musical episode. I remember Buffy had a musical episode. Oh
0: yeah, Oz definitely had a musical episode.
1: Then I must have blacked that out of my season mind. Season four. What? Yep. Does everyone have a song in it? I believe so. That's so disturbing. Right. I don't even remember that. Season four is the double season. Yeah, I know. I haven't even. I won't even register it. Then I must have just. Have, <laughs> You're like... Nope. Entirely, I'm like, wait, and so, oh my god, that's so disturbing. Is does Dean Winters is he sick yet? Uh, well, he Dean Winters recovered
0: from the breast cancer in season two. Right in season two. So yeah, he's he's healthy again by that point. Okay, just why did I remember that off the top of my fucking head? <laughs> and like pure, purely weird tangential yeah. Dean Winter story. Yeah. Dean Winter's randomly walked into my thirtieth birthday party. Like,
1: oh, right on, right on. He was looking
0: for cocaine, apparently.
1: Oh, right on. Yeah, I see him a lot in New York. He's a good dude. He, he was
0: really cool. Like, did shots with me and everything. But like, yeah, he rolled into the bar where I was throwing my thirtieth birthday party at.
1: Hilarious. I'm like,
0: oh, dude. Rhino Riley's my favorite character. He's yeah, like,
1: mine too. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> right. I mean, that's a pretty good launch into the business. Yeah. That was a really awesome show, and I know we've been saying that for like the last twenty minutes. But like Oz was great. Oh yeah,
0: it's and criminally underrated because everyone yeah. does talk about The Wire. Yeah, and as I said, a lot of people came from Oz and went to The Wire. Yeah, or the fact that that was a launching point for J.K. Simmons. That was, right. or um, Chris uh went on SVU. Yeah, Maloney. Yeah, Chris Maloney. Oh, my like, God, Chris Maloney. Whew. Right, like, and the fact that the yeah. Chris Maloney was playing,
1: you know, a Sexually fluid character, completely. Like, there's some. Okay, do I totally rewatch parts of it and pleasure myself? A thousand percent.
0: Which which character are you pleasuring yourself? Chris
1: here? Maloney.
0: I don't know. You, you could, you could you be in re- Dalbey. See,
1: I was. Yeah, but I was also. Yeah, I was into. I'm into most. Okay, listen. I'm into all. I'm even into um uh uh uh. What's his face? Lord Jamar. I'm into all of them. Okay, I'm into literally all of them. Every castmate on that show. I'm like even Evan Seinfeld. Mm, yeah, maybe not. Um, a couple I could let watch. I would let them watch. Okay. But um, but no, no. I I I there's some really hardcore moments in that show that are just so convincingly acted and are so beautifully told, even though it's disturbing or heart-wrenching. It's like there's there's a real fearless approach to telling that story that those those actors brought to it, and I commend them for that. You know, it's a great show. Yeah. Well, just
0: like have a well, I mean, I wouldn't call features relationship, mm. a loving, like gay relationship on a major but there were points where it was loving. There were yeah. and like to have, have that shown, you know, 23, 24 that's years what ago. What I'm saying
1: is like we've we have evolved as a society to handle some of these conversations and to understand realities and be accepting of them. But even twenty-three, twenty-five years ago, like that's that was still a different time, oh, that was definitely taboo, right. Like, hella taboo. And even as you're watching it, I love the conflicts you you experience in yourself about, like, can I trust this love? Can I trust this this companionship? or is this something that's ultimately manipulation because oh. the 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 desperation that exists in the prison system is profound,
0: well, yeah, Schillinger started off yeah. by telling Beecher that, like, he was going to protect him and take care of him and. Right. Made him his bitch. And then made him his bitch. Made him wear that lipstick.
1: Yep. Right? <laughs> so fucking good, dude. What a show. Right? I need a new show like that. Like, I need to be obsessed with one again to that level. I don't know what you could like, I don't know what is that groundbreaking I, at this no, point. Maybe maybe it's just that I need it to be groundbreaking. But also, like, maybe it's because I require a certain level of challenging subject matter I, I don't know maybe i need violence and sexuality and controversy in my like would i be satisfied if under the tuscan sun with diane lane was a series i would never watch that i would never watch that Would i do i need to watch you know a, a, a gardening show you know led by kathy bates absolutely not i would prefer to watch something a little bit heavier and headier
0: what were your thoughts on euphoria
1: You know what? I watched like the first couple episodes of Euphoria and I don't know what it was. Was it that it was too close to my teens and 20s or was it that I felt so much older than all of them? But I kind of stepped away from it. I stepped away from it. I was like, "Mm, I don't know if this is my show. I don't know. Like it was very bleak at times. That was the point, right? Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah, that's the point of it, right? That's the point of it. And here I am saying I love those things. And I'm like, I don't know about that. But but the young people are being so bleak. (laughs) But I started watching it. I started watching it. You know, Euphoria came out in my, like, early 30s. And so I think I was having a hard time accepting that, like, you know, young people are, are this cool and are, are this daring and shit. I'm like, no, I was. And the rest of you are all, you've all been losers ever since. You know, like I was the one that was that cool. It's just so dumb the way we reflect on our life when you enter your 30s. <laughs> I'll revisit it,
0: though. Well, and especially the second season yeah. gets even more daring. And like from a technical aspect of it, mm-hmm. the fact that like they shot the whole second season on actual film Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, the whole second season, they shot an actual film, they had Kodak recreate a film grain that oh, they I... liked. Like they talked. Uh, I was just like, they're like, we like the look of this film, and Kodak doesn't make it anymore, so we had them make it for us. I, don't know. I
1: didn't know that. Yeah, I wonder what else was shot on that film, just so I could get a reference in my mind. I would have to look. it Yeah, up. I, know, I know. I'm a nerd like
0: that. But it, like, I was just like, oh, that's inspiring on film nerd shit. Like that. Like, oh, your DP like. And um, Sam Levinson were yeah. both like, "We like this grain. We're yeah, we're gonna
1: have Kodak make it for us." Like, <sighs> no, I, I appreciate that. I really do because look in the rise of CGI today, that's one of my biggest pet peeves. And I know this is gonna rub people with fucking sandpaper right now. I can't do it, Matt. I can't do it. I can't do CGI orgy fuckfests. I can't do it. I can't do movies shot entirely on a green screen. I can't do actors entirely in morph suits with their face digitally imposed on it afterwards. That's not a movie to me. That's a video game. And I do. I play Dead by Daylight constantly. Like, I love video games, whatever. But I do not want to see this art form of cinema go down the drain with our dependence on the shortcuts in life called... Fucking CGI. Build a set. Jim Henson did it. Build a puppet and put your fist up it. I would rather you make animatronics than sell me on something that wasn't even on set with the actor to begin with. Like, I just don't, how am I supposed to believe that? And yet everyone's like, the new Guardians of the Galaxy. Wait, Laura. Just wait. No, I, I, I'll I. be waiting forever. I'm never seeing it. I can't do it. Can't do it. <sighs> I enjoy
0: Marvel movies, I I do, mm-hmm. but they're not like, oh my God, this is, a, it's something brainless and fun I can just, you know, kind of turn off and go, yeah. like, no Marvel movies ever, like, made me, deeply inspired me or given me any deep thoughts. Like, the only thing that came even close was, like, some of the scoring in Endgame.
1: Okay, scoring, okay, like, scoring. Like, the, the musical score, like... Good, like, I can close my eyes and I don't need to look at the CGI and perhaps just enjoy the audible elements. Yes, I'm on board. Because they
0: 100%, like, they hit just great emotional notes, like, you know, of 12 years of fucking filmmaking,
1: Uh or Uh video
0: game cutscene making, as the case may be.
1: That's exactly (laughs) what it is. Thank you for acknowledging that. (laughs) A lot of people don't want to draw that connection.
0: But they they had some great emotional beats, and, like, it was good payoff, but a lot of it had to do with the scoring. Yeah, uh, That's one of the things, like, on the movie theater experience that, like, that bums me out that things are going more towards streaming and shit, too, is... Mm -hmm. Like, no matter how good your home theater is, mm. it's not the same thing as sitting in a dark fucking
1: room no. and hearing the theater sound
0: and lights. And-
1: yeah, and more than that, sharing that environment with other strangers where you are experiencing on some level, whether conscious or subconscious, it's an energetic thing. You're in a room with other people and you are all locked into this ride. There's, like, studies about how powerful the experience of going to a movie theater is and the way that we blur the rest of our visibility and the rest of our our, uh, access to reality and hone in completely on that screen. I don't ever want to lose that. I don't either. Yeah.
0: I am a giant film nerd. Yeah. And... I will freely admit my ADHD takes over when I try to watch movies at home, and I pick up my phone. I look at same same. You put me in a movie theater, I am
1: locked in. Do you um, ever feel guilty about the fact that you do that at home? Like I do, I do time. too, I do too, and I'm like, what happened to me? I used to be able to sit and watch a movie, but I'll be watching, and it could be a great movie, something I've had on my list for years. But watching it at home, I'm like, mm, what's going on? What do they want? What's that alert? What's that? What is that? And then I'm not as into it as I am when I'm in the theater. In a movie theater, I never take out my phone. Why would same. I take out my phone? You know, I am not. I've surrendered to the experiment and the experience.
0: Well, and that's why I love places like um Alamo Draft House or mm-hmm. theaters that are like that. You take your phone out once, you're fucking out you're of here.
1: Out. Yeah, I'm that hardcore about it. You should. Be. I really am. I mean, to me, I'm like, anytime I see someone open up their phone in a movie theater, I'm like, who are you? Were you raised by fucking wolves? No, why would you do that? Like, also, it's what? Two hours, maybe two and a half, maybe the odd three to four hour, maybe. But like, you really, you can't go without watching it? Looking at, your, you're looking at your phone? You can't? You can't? Like, then leave. If you don't like the movie, then go. Right, go to the bathroom, check your phone. Exactly. Just don't do it in my womb of focus. Exactly. Have you ever been to the New Bev? N- yeah, I love the New Bev cinema. Are you kidding me? Just the other night, I went to go see the original talented Mr. Ripley, purple yes. noon with Alain Delon and he is a sexy motherfucker. And to me personally, I remember when talented Mr. Ripley came out, I thought this is one of the best movies of its era. You know, early 2000s. I don't remember when it came out. What, 2000, 2001, maybe
0: 2004? Uh, somewhere around there. I can
1: I let's look it up. I still to this day am like that one really stands out to me. And I never knew. Ninety nine, that... Okay. 99 was a good year for movies, actually. It was. So there's some really good shit that year. That um, was in the first Matrix, too. First Matrix. I think Magnolia's in there as well. Like, there's some really good shit in 99. Some people argue with you about Magnolia. <laughs> okay, people. Come on. Bring it on. Let's go. Bring it on. I'm ready to fight about it. <laughs> But 99 is often regarded as a really great year for independent filmmaking because a lot of risks were taken. But yeah. Magnolia is also 99. See, I'm telling you. Well, th- that that's a bigger
0: topic yeah. also because yeah. so much of that was produced by Miramax. Right. It's like, mm. how do you divorce yeah. <laughs> such great art from such a fucking monster?
1: <laughs> right. I know, I know, I know. But that debate... <laughs> we could do it another time. <laughs> that debate is like almost all of art, depending on how you examine a human and how you, uh, um, hold them up against the wall and, and try and find what's right and wrong with them. There's a lot of troubling realities about people and people that choose to get into arts or arts and commerce. Like you're dealing with power, you're dealing with honest expression, you're dealing with dishonest expression. Like there's a lot of monsters in the work that we love and we hold dear, it's a tough pill to swallow, you know. It really is. Am I going to keep playing Michael Jackson till the day I die? Oh yeah,
0: I, fucking mean, yeah. I, I, R. Kelly's a giant monster, but like you know,
1: <laughs> some undeniable bangers. Yeah, absolutely. Undeniable bangers, and it's 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 hard, you know, because as a society, we're becoming a lot more. Uh, uh, like less resilient, I suppose, to our sensitivities. We're, you know, we're in the age of cancel culture, and in many places, yes, it is. It's it's deemed fit, and it is fit, and it is the the what we need to be doing, and say goodbye to that person forever. But there are some tricky ones that toe a line where I go. I don't, really, really, I'm I'm not going to divulge names right now. I've had a glass and a half of wine, so you do not want me to start dropping names that I think may be. Wrongly convicted. Um <laughs> but the talented Mr. Ripley. Um 99 being a great year for movies. <laughs> 99 being a great year for movies. Um the the, the writer, the critic for the New York Times, A.O. Scott, did a great piece on um some of the the reasons why he left the job uh just pa- this past year, uh and it being you know a big reliance on on these Marvel movies that's coming out and a lot about um CGI becoming our our big reality. But he has a great mention On the Daily Podcast, all about the year 1999 in filmmaking. And uh, just how it's one of the last great years for unique and indie storytelling.
0: Well, and part of the problem with that is, Mm. what caused a lot of that shit is fucking piracy. Yeah. Ooh, good point. Ooh. Because it's one of those things where like, oh, the movie, you know, the production companies, the, the studios are losing all this money. They're not going to actually lose money. They're just not going to have money no. to take risks with.
1: Right. They're not going to have the money to take risks with. Ooh. Is there a hope for us to return to a year like 1999? Where will, but will those things not surface is probably a better question. Well,
0: it's it's we
1: should. No. Because in this day and age,
0: to get the same quality you would have out of professional film gear in
1: 1999
0: mm. is available for thousands of dollars. Yeah. Yeah. So... Why are not more people innovating? What we need is more platforms like YouTube, but ones that will actually let us uh, cater to not adult content, but content for adults.
1: Oh, yeah, because uh, straight up, there's a lot that YouTube's not going to tolerate in, you know, even just a a tiny indie film offering. I'm, like, shocked at, you know, how tight their censorship is. It's ridiculous. Educational content about sex education or about body anatomy... (laughs) will get taken down. And I'm like, this is so absolutely ridiculous.
0: And it's like, if AMC can have R-rated movies in its theaters and people definitely still advertise with AMC,
1: why is there not a
0: portal on YouTube for us to make content geared towards adults?
1: Right. I mean, like, we can still stay within the confines of, like, you know, we're not going to be dark web shit. Right. Right. But, like, please allow us some freedom that doesn't have so much censorship that we get, you know, accounts taken down. Like, where can we artfully express ourselves freely? What I someone
0: should make and
1: pitch to YouTube to make is make an independent body like an MPAA. Exactly.
0: or streaming content. We don't have that yet, do we? No. And the MPAA, like, obviously still covers, like, major releases that end up on Netflix shit like that. Yeah. But not for a straight streaming platform like YouTube. Yeah. Like, why do we not have an independent body outside of YouTube?
1: Yeah, we need that. We need that because I don't know how else we're going to find. There's still like festival circuits that are smaller and not everything. And there's, you know, streamers that are available on, you know, Vimeo with a certain password and whatnot. But but if you're not a professional, you're not going to. That's what I mean, right? Like Like... the, the, the future of these things reaching the masses is getting tighter and tighter and less likely because of the platforms that are hosting them. The fact that our trends are leading us to viewing things on streaming it, it's and people don't want to take fucking risks. And no one wants to take a risk now. And that's so heartbreaking. Ugh! but then again, we've built a very rigid fortress that says I wouldn't try and take a risk if I were you. Mm. Well, it, it's there's just no money in it. Yeah. It's the same thing that happened to fucking music
0: like the the major record labels and the big acts. Mm. They didn't lose that fucking much money from piracy. Mm. It just hurt the next generation of artists that oh, well, we can't take a risk on your sound because it's not commercially viable.
1: Yeah, exactly. We don't want to take a risk on something that might be completely unpredictable. Listen, it's the same reason why people don't just get discovered anymore. You don't just get discovered at, you know, your local uh, uh, salon or that was our hostess at Friendly's. You don't just get discovered anymore because nowadays anyone wanting new talent knows that they can take uh, or get a better result by picking an influencer or a person that has a guaranteed fan base. And we come right back to those numbers. That's it. We come right... Ooh, whoa, 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 zip it up. Ooh, whoa, who are we? Ooh, zip it up. But you know what I mean? Like, that's that's the reality. It's like... No one, no one wants to take a chance anymore on the unpredictable. They can guarantee that shit by seeing how society has already ranked us. Ooh, and next week on Black Mirror. <laughs> I mean, we're already there. I right? know, we're already there. This is it.
0: It's it's absolutely and it's horrible because it mm. stifles art. It mm. stifles fucking art. Mm-hmm. Not taking risks. Yeah, not, not having the people the ability to take fucking risks. Like that's why I love podcasting as a medium. Yeah, because this is the last Wild
1: West medium. Yeah. Well, while it's here, Wild while here. it's Wild West, this is a good moment for it because any day we could get the lockdown. We could get the restrictions. We could get the, yeah, we're already experiencing some of it. I mean, you can't curse on certain things. You can't express yourself in certain ways on some platforms. and But for the most part, Apple, which is still the biggest player in the game, yeah. has been pretty hands-off. Art as an existing force in our world, is meant to be a reflection of our modern culture, of our modern society, both the challenges and the victories and the trending themes, the areas that we are focusing on. And the fact that like we are so limited in how we can express ourselves, I'm telling you, we're building up a real big discomfort in the way we express because we're unable to. Oh yeah, no, we're we're going towards some 1984 shit. Like, yeah, we, we really
0: are. Because you look historically, like, why is all the 70s cinema so bleak? Right. Why,
1: why is punk rock
0: so prevalent right. in the 70s? Because the 70s were super fucked up.
1: Mm, mm, I mean, yeah, you've got draft left, right, and center. You've got you the draft. You have the gas shortages. You yep. have yeah, you
0: know, urban blight in a yep. lot of major cities.
1: Yeah. You have jobs
0: just disappearing. Right. Like, right. And it made for some amazing fucking art.
1: Oh my god, it's my favorite decade in film. It really is the rise of the anti-hero, everything that Robert Evans put out. I mean, we need Robert Evans today. We really do. I know he was a sleaze bag. I know that. <laughs> back, back to more <laughs> a t- see more conflicting art. Can we love it or not? But it's like when you look at the movies that, you know, he 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 chaperoned into light and to audiences, I go, "Wow, I really want that." I wish that we had, you know, films that that challenged us in the ways that they did in the '70s with like taxi driver. Right?
0: Could you imagine making taxi driver? There's a no. character. that's a child prostitute yeah. in the fucking yeah. movie. Yeah. Yeah. Could you imagine making like anyone trying to make that? No, this? It,
1: what would that character be? I mean, would he be an incel? Like, yeah. what would be the character? I don't. I don't know what. It would be to create Travis Bickle today because back then his viewpoints, his anger, his his obsessions, his mental ponderings that we, the audience, were a part of, that was dangerous shit. Like he was a dangerous. We were in the head of the bad guy. Yeah. I mean, is do I call him a bad guy? I call him human. <laughs> very, very, very human. flawed human. Very flawed human. But that is a part of our our world and our reality. But, like, that's why I love 70s films so much. Think about trying to re- com- uh, remake The French Connection today.
0: You couldn't do it. Like, no. Popeye Doyle is just such a, yep. Like, yep. Like, yep. like, the the, the lie. never trust an N-word with a knife. Like, no, exactly. as a cop. Exactly.
1: A cop. exactly. Like, or redoing Scarecrow, a movie that's kind of about nothing, right? It's just like Gene Hackman and Al Pacino, like, what kind of lost and on the run, like, they would never do that as a drama. It would be a comedy, and it would be like a stoner comedy, and it would be like, they wouldn't just let it... Seth Rogen would make it. <laughs> thank you, right. It wouldn't just be something kind of like meditative, and and we, we, don't see, we don't see movies like that now. I mean, every once in a while, there's a small something that makes an impact, but that's it. We don't dissect it. We don't celebrate it as a culture. It's like we would rather force-feed the fast food of marvel and i know you hold it dear my friend i know you do but i'm also like a kid who was a comic dork like yeah growing up. so like it has it has sentimental, no- and yeah, nostalgia. sentimental
0: and nostalgia but it's also like i have a you know a poster for the getaway and rollerball in the next nice. room like
1: nice yeah because fucking Paw is great I oh got straw dogs <laughs> to this day straw dog still sits with me you know there's that Amazing moments in that movie. I mean, just groundbreaking in the idea of is this uh, an assault or is this uh, asked for? You know what yeah. I mean? There's so many great conversations within that film. My God, I'd like to think because it's so relatively cheap to mm. make a movie these days that we
0: there's got to be people out there making shit. But how do we discover it? Mm. How do how do because it's also so cheap? It how does they how does that fucking
1: shit stand out from the noise. Mm, how does it? Right. No, but it's 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 hard to stand out from the noise because you look at what's in theaters today and that's the majority of it. Yeah. That's the bulk of it. That's what gets funded. That's what gets pushed onto our billboards and our faces. And, you know, I'm, I'm seeing more and more stars jump ship and uh, go down that path as opposed to taking on some groundbreaking material. And I'm like, okay, there goes another one.
0: I mean, I understand making the payday. I get it.
1: Yeah, I get it. I get it. Work.
0: Speaking of like Seth Rogen, like I try to support pretty much anything he makes because he's one of the few people making original content in the Hollywood system. Yeah. I may not love a lot of shit Seth Rogen has made over the years, but I at least try to support it just because it's like, this is a fucking someone trying something different. Anything different. He's
1: he's a cool dude. He's a really cool dude. I had a really great conversation with him about uh, what it means. um, He had a, a statement about how, how much, how much harder it is to do comedy versus dramatic roles. And we got into a huge conversation about it because in my mind, as a drama fan, I'm thinking, how can you say that? That doing a dramatic role is easier than comedy? What? I'm like, comedy, you're just making people laugh. Who cares? Just make them laugh. Whatever. I'm not a comedian. I've never wanted to be. You know, I'm like, how can you say that? Because I think about, you know, actors like De Niro and committing to this really ugly role of Travis Bickle in Taxi Driver. And oh, my God, isn't that a huge undertaking? Or Dog Day Afternoon and just being that close to a heart attack for, I'm sure, weeks of production. Al Pacino. You know, but but um, he had a great, a great, um, a, 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 almost a, a lecture of why comedy is so challenging Right? And why it is like what it means to make comedy and be on a film set and, you know, be in an environment where people want to get the job done, but you're still questioning. Like you might be supported by the team that's making the movie, but you're still questioning is this really funny or not? Oh, I I 100% get
0: that. Yeah. It's one of those things where, like, if you're doing stand up, you get an immediate reaction in the room right there did this work or not? Right. Right. When you're doing, podcasting if my guest is laughing okay i'm confident that this is funny right.
1: yeah that's uh, the only affirmation we get right if you're on a set
0: surrounded by the people you paid to be there
1: yeah.
0: how do you uh, how do you gonna, really gauge it yeah how do you gauge how, and how do you know if it's honest? even if they are laughing it's like right this person's livelihood is based on making
1: me happy right speaking of uh, uh comedy though straight up speaking of stand-up comedy That's right up there with jumping out of a fucking airplane to me. I've done it. Well, good on you. terrifying shit in the world. I don't know. Every single night people are doing it. This thing that is so shockingly icky and vulnerable and risky. And maybe I put too much into it. Maybe I think about it as too much of like, maybe I got to be looser about it, you know? But I'm like, how the fuck do people do this? It's the, one of the craziest things to do—to bring a bunch of people into a room to get them to shut the fuck up and listen to you. Shut the fuck up! Not pay attention to their phone. Right, right, right. Fucking listen. And then, and then beyond that, you hope to make them laugh. Right. Like I, no, I'm, I'm so happy that's not my pursuit in life. I've had people be like, "Well, why don't you try to stand up?" I'm like, "That ain't me, man." But, but that's why they're sexy. That's why comics are sexy. Okay, because that's some daredevil shit. I'm like, you do that. Well, it's some daredevil shit, but there's also some mental illness that comes with it, too. I mean, there's got to be. You're literally standing in front of a firing squad every night, sometimes multiple times a night. And sometimes doing it multiple times a night at a great expense to
0: yourself financially. Yeah. Especially when people are starting off. like People are not getting paid. People are getting up multiple times a night driving across the city. Yeah. Or taking trains across the city to do this in front of multiple different rooms (laughs) for no fucking money. Uh, One of the things that, like... Because I, I just couldn't wrap my brain around it. When I was in Tokyo in November, yeah. I interviewed the the guys who owned the only Western-style comedy club in Tokyo.
1: Cool.
0: And I, one of the questions I had from them was like, what motivates you guys to do this? Because like, if you're getting up in LA or New York, the goal is eventually that you're going to be a nationally touring comic. You're going yeah. to be making your living yeah. doing stand-up. But if you're doing Western-style comedy in a market like Tokyo. Yeah. What motivates you to get up every night in front of this firing squad that may not even speak your fucking language? Right,
1: right? exactly. Like, the language... Imagine a language barrier up against you, but they do this. But they do this. Comics do this. I'm like, you are superhuman, dude. Like, what does scare you? That's what I'm going to ask comics from now Like, what does scare you, though? Straight up. Probably commitment, but... Yeah, let's be real. (laughs) (laughs) Right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Any previous experience with that, Laura? Mm, You know, but like commitment for sure. For sure. I I, I think you have to be really like self-obsessed in that line of work because you have to be able to keep yourself going you do and I don't think you have a lot of room for other people.
0: No, and it's in a lot of cases it's not like a band where like no. you have other members of the band like you know, if so, if your lead singer's having a down day, there's three other members of the band be like, No man, the show must go on. You know, we're in we're in this together. We're band of brothers on this shit.
1: No, you're a one person army. You have one person army, and your peers may actually be trying to actively hurt you. Well, yeah. Think about the competition in that in itself, especially in cities like LA and New York, like, yo. oof, That's tough stuff. That's tough. Listen, my heart goes out to the the comics of the world. Just keep doing it because I'm in awe of you and you're sexy as hell. Sexy. And they're providing
0: unnecessary fucking service.
1: Yeah. And you know what that is? That is also an art form that I feel, yes, it's been influenced by the threat of cancel culture. And yes, we've lost some great creators within comedy that have just crumbled to the potential of I don't ever want to be canceled, but there are a lot of motherfuckers that are still standing their damn ground and they're saying, fuck it, I'm going to talk about what I want to talk about. And so I say, keep on you, keep doing yeah. it. No matter what people have to say about Chappelle, he is yeah. one of the greatest to ever fucking do it. Oh my God. I, that's why we can listen to him as late into the night as we can. That's why he walks into a club at two in the morning and will hold you hostage until six o'clock in the morning because, you know, it's that's that you're listening to someone... A a brilliant voice. A a brilliant voice, truly. One of my
0: biggest problems when people want to cancel comedians for the material is like, one, no one is forcing
1: you to listen to this. Right. Absolutely. You can just leave. You don't... Well, a lot of the times I mean, oh, it's a dangerous thing to talk about, of course, right? Because you know, cancel culture, we find our reasons to cancel and we sometimes hear uh, certain speech in the way that we want to. I don't I don't believe you have to you have to listen is is the speech meant to action harm against others right intent matters right is the harm is the speech act- actively influencing people to take out an effort or an action against another group of people I can't get down with that shit Obviously. I cannot get to, uh, that's not my shit that's propaganda that's hitler level rallying like I can't get behind that. But we have to be able to comment on the world that we live within. We have to. That's that's our that's our responsibility as self-aware humans that want to reflect, perhaps improve, perhaps question. We have to be able to go there.
0: I wholeheartedly agree. Yeah. And it's satire, it's it's jokes. Like if it's not for you, if this is not your cup of tea, you don't have the right to cancel this person because right you don't agree with the joke they're making right
1: right i mean it's it's again it's not meant to be take this piece of speech and actively look to eradicate a certain group of people because i said this thing that's unless that's what's been expressed it's not what it is like you you have to i don't know maybe this is gonna be so dangerous i know it is already um but i you know i just i i it's a it's a very challenging world we live in right now. When it comes to you know even getting close to something that might be a hot topic, it is. Yeah. It is. I mean, and one, back to why I love podcasting is mm. come for me. Yeah,
0: like, I no one's trying to cast me. Like, yeah. <laughs> if you, really?
1: you haven't had one yet. Uh, occasionally, non-sex performances in porns, but <laughs> let's go there. Let's see some dangerous shit. No, I'm kidding. Let's not.
0: Please. But it, it's it's one of those things where like. I, that's part of the reason I have zero fear of expressing myself mm. on yours because it's like, what are you going to do? Mm. You're going to kick
1: me off my own fucking show? Mm. It, is, it is your show. All right. It is your show. I, hey, I say keep at it too. Soldier on. See what happens. Yeah. Fuck around and find out. Right, Matt? Well, oh, fuck yes. And
0: that's why I encourage my <laughs> guests to, too. I mean, at their own peril, of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. mean, but I'm also like, if someone, if you tomorrow you're like, hey, Matt, let's cut all this shit up, I'd be like, okay.
1: And it's gone. Yeah. Cool.
0: Because, like, I, I don't. As much as I'll encourage bad behavior out of people mm. or encourage people to be free with what they have to say, I'm also not looking to aid in abet them you know, ruining themselves unless no. they're cool with it.
1: No, no, I, I'm down with that, which means, hey, forward me the tapes. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. But I am going to say I'm going to bid everyone a good night now because I am approaching my social drainage. I have had a <laughs> long day in Los Angeles. I have had a long day Entertaining the masses in the form of podcasts and content creation, I am. I am very delighted that this was my big finale, though. Thank you. I am
0: Thrilled that you made it. We will yes. have to do it again. We
1: absolutely will Laura, do before this. Before you again.
0: get out of here, while yes. we call last call, where can they find you on the things?
1: Everybody, I am waiting to be best friends with you. Please do find me at lauraxdesiree.me. I'm on all the platforms under Laura Desiree. Um, come hang out. Uh, check me out on on all of it. Uh, And maybe check out a California Pinot Noir sometime if you want to really feel this good. Thank you, Matt.
0: My pleasure, Laura. (laughs) And until next week, drink up, motherfuckers.